Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Join the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, you know him. He is the co-host. His name is Pat Owanjay. Hello, hello, hello. And joining us is the other co-host. You know him as your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy. What is going on, everybody? How is everybody doing? Man, I am doing it. Very well. I know I'm a little hyped up. It, talking a little outside of sports, but because we are on the sports show, I'm a little hyped up for some more sports. I know I sound a little confusing because this week is a big week. San Diego Comic-Con is kicking off. Yeah. The NBA is doing their exhibition. Major League Baseball is slowly starting back up this week, too. And yep. Premier Lacrosse League starts this week. And there was some pro. Now we won't talk about pro wrestling until the end of the show. If you just want to hear about all the sports Bye. we're going to talk about, though, <laughs> definitely stay tuned for this episode of the ODPH and join in the conversation on social media. You can find all our links on OchoDuroParleyHour.com. Hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. And always remember to use the hashtag ODPH. Like I said, it is a big week, a lot of energy going into this one. And yeah. we are going to kick off talking about the NBA. Exhibition games are starting this week. Uh-huh. So far, everything we have read coming out of the Disney bubble yeah. has been – that's so weird to say. Depends on where you read it from because if you're reading it from actual, you know uh, – are right, you know, writers. Uh, you know, it's kind of boring. But if you're reading NBA Bubble on Twitter, you're having a grand old time. NBA <laughs> Bubble talk on Twitter is amazing. <laughs> well, hey, I, I, we got to give them a little tip of the cap. News came out yesterday that out of the I what 300 something, almost 400 something uh, C19 tests they conducted, zero came back positive. Yes. So tip of the cap to them. Congratulations. Yeah, good job. yeah that's I mean, a, some players were a little skeptical about you know going and reporting right away because. There was potential, like Russell Westbrook yeah. held back yep. and wasn't on the team flight. So, yeah, I mean, to have all 300 players test you know, negatively, that's tremendous. Yeah. That means that they obviously handled their medical very well. Yeah, and that's what they needed to do. I mean, first and foremost, as any sports league is restarting in the COVID-19 era, safety of your athletes and your employees come first. That should be the first primary objective to accomplish well and especially you look at the nba it's specific I know, you know baseball is starting back up baseball never even really got started right you know, I, I would say nba and hockey are kind of the most interesting ones to look at from the perspective of they were in the middle of their season and they had to come to a hard stop well, which none of those players are really used to having to do and then oh hey we you, you, and it's not like end of a season and then you kind of ease off of things and you ease back into things. no this was just like a hard stop and oh hey you got to ramp back right back up again well that documentary that aired on uh tnt on thursday yeah or tuesday was it anyway it's i mean it's on demand look it up uh was pretty compelling stuff when you talk about what you know happened i mean they really broke down you know that night that the nba stopped basically halted yeah. you know I, saying, I think most sports fans remember that vividly i got done washing dishes got the notification on my phone that they were stopping the season i go wait what yeah wait. i mean i got the i was i was literally scrolling through going to tnt to check out basketball and all of a sudden they were like you know breaking news you know games are delayed and you know nothing's going on i'm like what is going on? I mean, it was literally out of Space Jam. Like, uh-huh. that's how it felt. Uh, yeah, now that you put it that way. No, it was the craziest 94 minutes in recent memory of when all this news was breaking from what happened with Utah and Oklahoma City that right. night. 
and to hear about Rudy Gobert's positive test and how the league took immediate action, did the right thing, stopped everything, and started going into, okay, how are we going to react to this and then make the decision for the safety of their players and their employees, uh-huh. which I have to applaud M. Silver for everything he's done thus far. Yeah, I yeah. mean, as far as handling everything, I think the NBA has probably been the most transparent and most honest with everything. Yeah. And, not, and we've talked you know, previously about how I'm not a huge fan of them extending the season into um, you know, the um, – next season and you know only bringing in select teams um that were four games out or whatever i mean obviously the knicks are sitting at home which aren't is a they, huge do, aren't bummer they doing something with the other teams there's that talks them? of them doing something in chicago but i mean with this one starting up now it'd be kind of difficult i think yeah. for them to get anything going there yeah um but um you know i just i i it'll be nice to have basketball back it yeah. will be nice to see these guys finish out um, you know, they a lot of teams are, are coming together. They're looking good. So, yeah, I mean, it's just going to be exciting to have basketball back. There's a lot of players that, you know, might have had a little bit of wear and tear on them. At, exactly. At, at this point, at the, at, you know, the, the by the time the playoffs came, but you got a lot of good players who got like four months off. I mean, you're going to see a LeBron who literally probably hasn't taken any time off in his career between, no. you know, Olympics, championship runs, the following season, you know, obviously maybe taking off, you know, a game here or there. But well, you're talking about a LeBron James who is now coming in fresh. Yeah. So maybe, maybe what was it last year he didn't make the playoffs with the Lakers? Yeah. But maybe, maybe last yeah, year. Yeah. Right. But a little bit last year. But still, I mean, that's coming off of the previous year where right. they went to the, you know, right. NBA finals or, right. or had that run. Yeah. And so, I mean, he obviously has mileage on him that. You know, even just missing the playoffs isn't enough. I mean, this no. is four months of literally not being able to do anything. Yeah. And for so many teams, for their players to get this much rest, it's almost like a bittersweet blessing. Like, it, it's, I know it sounds weird to say, and I'm sure the players would rather have not had the time off, mm-hmm. but if there's going to be anything to look forward to, it's what we've just said. The fact that certain players like LeBron, who have had a lot of mileage in their NBA careers, yeah now have some extended rest so it'll be a lot more fresher going oh, into yeah. the playoffs. Oh, yeah. We are looking at arguably one of the more exciting playoff series that we're going to have in recent memory. Yeah, oh, yeah. And it, it, it's messed up to say, and like I say, I, at least to me, how I'm saying this is coming weird. Yeah, no, it out is. to hear, but it's the truth. Yeah, yeah. And it's going to be absolutely wild to see as we have exhibition games kicking off this Wednesday as we're recording. Yep. And then we go right into next week and we go into the – to the regular season yeah it's a, a brief uh regular season i mean so it's not it's not quite like an olympic style like pool play and then into you know metal and seating and everything this is going to be just a continue not uh, like a uh of a restart of the uh regular season and then into playoffs from there yeah it's absolutely crazy so what we're going to be talking about is obviously next week we'll kind of give you our official I test to see how everybody's looking coming out of exhibition. We're not expecting a lot this week. No. It's just going to be a lot of no, going I mean, emotions. It's definitely going to be – I mean, you'll see a few teams trying to gear up a little bit just because, I mean, you got to get – I mean, these are top physical athletes that mm-hmm. you got, I mean, who have – who immediately stopped and had nothing going on that they need to ramp back up. So I think you're going to see, you know, some teams maybe start slow early, mm-hmm. but then those last couple preseason games, almost like an NFL preseason – 
really try and ramp it up a little bit. Yeah, so we're going to be breaking down our early predictions here, going by each conference. So, Pad, why don't we break down the East first? Let's see who's invited to the dance in, at Disney. Yeah, so looking at the Eastern Conference, uh, you have in the first place, you have the Milwaukee Bucks with a record of 53 and 12. Second place, you have the Toronto Raptors with a record of 46 and 18. Uh, third is the Boston Celtics with a record of 43 and 21. Fourth is the Miami Heat with a record of 41 and 24. Uh, next is the Indiana Pacers with a record of 39 and 26. Uh, and then you have the Philadelphia 76ers with the exact same record. Uh, and then you have the Brooklyn Nets with a record of 30 and 34. Orlando comes in after that with a record of 30 and 35. And then rounding out the Eastern Conference, you have the Washington Wizards in there with uh, 24 and 40 as their record. And we have to make note, Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, Miami, in Indiana, and Philly have clinched their playoffs berths. Yep. Right. So they're seeding. They're already locked in no matter what happens during yep. the uh, restart of the NBA season. So Brooklyn, Orlando, and Washington are fighting for playoff berths yep. officially. And Brooklyn has no KD, no Kyrie, and yep. no Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah. Yep. So, so I mean they are and they are decimated and they had a couple other injuries too. So you're so saying decimated. So you're saying Washington has a chance. I mean not really either though cuz <laughs> Bradley Beal and John Wall aren't playing in Washington either. So yeah. that's a tough break for both teams. I mean and, and I've said it before I'll say it again. I understand like you know if you're within four games of whatever spot it was. But the Washington Wizards are fucking 24 and 40. Like, yeah, I'm sorry. Listen, I don't want to get going on a tangent because I mean it's just. But I, there's no reason why the Knicks shouldn't have been here. Mm-hmm. There's no reason why that you know it, it, they were excluded, other than the four game out rule. Because that four game out rule, I mean, I don't want to put any conspiracy, you know, any hats on the conspiracy of the NBA just wanting to get uh, Zion Williamson down there so he can be featured on national TV. But I'm also not going to say that it's wrong. Yeah, that's all I'm going to say. No, you bring up a, a point that I know a lot of people are starting to buy into a little more hype about. Mm, yeah, uh, maybe. Which you have to take a look at the Eastern Conference, and obviously this is not a very strong conference. We, we, we've already <laughs> discussed it. Just put no, it mildly. No. When your seventh-place team is below 500. No, yeah. I mean, and the Eastern Conference has been bad. This is, yeah. you know, I yeah. mean, obviously I know there's the few years with the, the Heat, you know, and the Celtics and, the you know, those runs, but. It's historically the last 25 years has been putrid. Uh-huh. Yeah, so we know that the team's invited here. We're going to be really interested to see how they f- shape up and who yeah. gets to the finals. You would think Giannis and the Bucks are, are an odds-on favorite. I'd, yeah, I'd say so. I, I mean, I feel like it's theirs to lose. Uh, Toronto is a is a weird team because they really just, however Siakam plays, Really tells you how you know how far they're gonna go, mm-hmm. and I mean Fred Lane Fleet was really coming on strong towards you know right before the coronavirus hit. So uh, Toronto is definitely in the mix, but I mean between the two of them, I mean Boston is good and they have all the potential in the world. But with uh, Gordon Hayward potentially gonna be leaving, you know the bubble for right. the birth of a of his daughter, right? Um, that will hurt depth. And um, you know, I I don't I don't like their team as much as I like Toronto and I like Milwaukee. Oh, so yeah, this is Milwaukee and Toronto's conference to lose. Like, it's either going to be Milwaukee or Toronto in the NBA Finals. You know, I Boston, like Coach said, yeah, they, they might be able to make a run, but it's just you don't know what you're going to get out of them. And nothing against any Miami, Indiana, Philly, Brooklyn, Orlando, or Washington fans, but. They just don't strike fear into me like Milwaukee and Toronto do. Yeah, they might make some noise. Yeah, they might cause a few, you know, uh, speed bumps for 
the other teams in the conference to like test them and give them a few scratches and some bruises along the way. But at the end of the day, I don't see the process making it to the NBA Finals. It's possible they could, but I agree with you. I think between Milwaukee and Toronto, it's it's their finals to lose. Mm-hmm. And I think ultimately you're going to have one of those two teams come out to win this the Eastern Conference. Toronto, who honestly would have thought they would have gotten this far after Kawhi Leonard leaving? I thought season? they I thought they would have been good. You know, maybe not second place in the Eastern Conference, good. Right. That's but what I figured they would have contended. Yeah, I mean, I definitely thought that there was going to be a little bit of regression, just because I mean, Lowry's a year older, Gasol's yeah. not you know the same Marc Gasol that he was a year ago. Yeah. Um, Siakam's obviously a, a rising star, you know, in the NBA, and Abaka, you know, is only, you know, not I don't want to say borrowed time, but he's definitely an aging veteran, mm. you know, compared to where he was when Toronto first got him. Um, so yeah, I definitely did not see them taking uh, this big of a step the following year, and especially being second place. I thought Boston would have been a lot better. Oh yeah, well, uh, this well, season, well, especially with Toronto, when you look at teams in the past who have lost a player of Kawhi's caliber, right? It's usually a step backwards, if not many step backwards. Oh yeah, but, it's but multiple in, steps. Usually. But but in their case, it's you know honestly same place, maybe if half a step back. I think the thing that we you know and we are not taking uh, maybe people don't think about is I mean. He was on, you know, the the time. You know, he mm-hmm. was on uh, th- those rest days yeah. and stuff. And yeah. Toronto still played well without him. Yeah. So I mean, those X factor days that when he did play, and obviously in the playoffs and the uh, championship games, you know, he was just that X factor that they didn't have before. They still were the best team in the East without him. That's true. Playing forty percent of the, or yeah, forty percent of the That's games true. last year. That's so, true. Um, I just I don't. To me, Giannis, obviously, in a shortened season, because that's the other thing you got to take into effect is the fact that everything's shortened and abbreviated. Uh-huh. So I think Giannis, you know, having a full head of steam and being able to, to uh, get going. My sleeper team in this, though, and the team that I wouldn't necessarily want to see in a seven-game series is Miami. Yeah, just yeah. because Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler, exactly. I mean, Jimmy Butler has been keeping people up with practicing in his hotel room. Yeah, I mean, he's not necessarily the playoff killer that you know you see some other guys can be but i definitely think that you know you, you this miami team's young and athletic and, and they play fast that if they get going in the open court you know they might be able to um you know some scare some teams push them to a seven game series yeah. and i definitely wouldn't i would not want to see jimmy butler in a seven game series well, no no <laughs> or, I, or i should say i wouldn't want to see jimmy butler in a game seven just because no. he does when you get him in that set he does have that killer instinct well mm-hmm. well let's face it this miami team like you said he's young and they're playing with house money they got nothing to lose exactly that too i think outside of anyone who is a miami heat fan or living in the you know the south florida who's a miami fan ain't nobody thinking they're gonna go anywhere you know obviously heat fans are probably sitting there some of them might have you know tepid expectations like oh you know we ain't too good but then you've got the diehards are like you know we're going all the way we're gonna win it all but outside of that we're not sitting here saying you know what they're gonna go all the way no miami is one of the biggest sleeper teams in this division in in my opinion the conference they could turn it on because if Jimmy Butler can get his teammates on board with his mentality, mm-hmm. they could be downright scary. Yeah, I mean, Tyler Hero, too, you know, uh, a hot hand that if he gets shooting the ball well, you know, obviously can definitely put some points up. Um, but it's just it's tough, though, when you look at the matchups and then you just talk about yeah. uh, uh, the star factor that is Giannis. That's why it's like – you know, in this thing, like favoring LeBron and favoring Giannis and favoring Kawhi is kind of the easy thing to do because mm-hmm. everything's abbreviated. So once they get to the playoffs, it's like, 
you know, the stars are going to shine. So it's not like something's going to be all of a sudden like, you know, shooken up. And, uh, you know, it's not like the NHL. Like the NHL with their, their three-game in, or the five-game intro series to even make it to the quote-unquote playoff. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's uh, tantalizing. You know, yeah. that's exciting yeah. because yeah. it's like, oh, man, you know, if the Rangers lose the to the uh, hurricane – it's toast. It's done. You know, like this introduction for the NBA, we're going to have a few regular season games. We're going to get these guys' feet wet. We're going to see these star players really be able to elevate because of the fact that they're going to be rested and 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 ready to go. So it's going to be, you know, basically theirs to lose. So that's why I say, you know, Milwaukee, Toronto, and I mean, Boston's got the pieces. I just I didn't like what they were doing prior to mm-hmm. the end, you know, of the NBA regular season. So I don't like them here in this abbreviated uh, shortened season either. Well, and plus the thing, getting back to Miami, the thing that's going to work out for them, no matter what the outcome is here, they're going to be battle tested. They're going to go through some wars. They're going to go through some tough fights that is going to benefit them down the road. Yeah, they'll be a growing team, and obviously, like I said, with Jimmy Butler leading that team. You have to say they're going to be in every series they're they're going to be scheduled for. Mm-hmm. With Philly, they could be an X factor too. But with Ben Simmons not yeah. learning a jump shot in this in this time period, yeah. I, I don't I don't know. I mean, I really don't know what you yeah. can say about him. You know, and I mean the thing with Philly is too. Like, I mean, obviously the the Embiid uh, Simmons you know rivalry or disagreements or whatever you want to call it you know chemistry is going to be the biggest factor in this abbreviated season because you know teams that are able to come together the the quickest and refine that that you know vibe and that you know connection that they had prior to covid um you know those type of teams are going to be able to to really click early like i mean i've been watching you know some of the uh, major league lacrosse games that have started and the teams that are dominating right now are the teams that have been together the longest because they already have that you know, that syncness. They have already got that chemistry going. So these teams that have chemistry issues in this abbreviated season, I think are going to have issues here because you're just not going to connect right away because mm-hmm. you got to get spots together. You got to get timing down again. So I think that's going to become a huge issue. Well, and it's also a thing where you might have a disagreement with a guy on, on the court that in normal circumstances, all right, if you don't like them, <laughs> you go home. Yeah. You, go, you go home and, and it gets squashed. You got a couple of weeks to work it out and, you, and it'll move on. This isn't, you ain't got the time. Like, whatever issues you might have with the guy because he didn't see you in the corner posted up, like, ready to shoot a three, let it go. Yeah, and yeah. now you're going to the next hotel room, and I'm going to blast music at 2 a.m. just to piss you off. Yeah. Or, or order everything off of room <laughs> yeah, service. Room service. It, it could get absolutely wild depending on how the playoffs shape up for some teams. Philly is one that you got to really watch for. Miami I'm, is another one. Yeah, I mean, get, don't get me wrong. If Philly connects and all of a sudden they start playing really well, I mean, their regular season record speaks for itself. I yeah. mean, that's why they're regular. I mean, it's not just because Jimmy Butler left that this team isn't good. Right. There is chemistry issues there that are creating this, you know, barely above 500 record for them, you know. so uh, yeah. But, again, all of a sudden they start clicking, they start getting it going. Yeah, you know, yeah. they definitely are a dangerous team. Yeah. So that being said, who are we taking out of the East? Milwaukee. Yeah, same thing. Like <laughs> Kawhi. Like I saw, I saw a photo uh, yesterday. I think it was on Twitter of like Kawhi's just physical frame the last four years. And if you if you really look at the last four years, good God, that he's a man possessed. And I don't think there's going to be anything to stop him from getting to the finals. Yeah, I think this is Giannis's year too. I wouldn't doubt Toronto pulling up a freak upset. Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely in a seven-game yeah. series. Yeah, it's going seven. Yeah, I mean, oh yeah, I, I Siakam and Giannis is a is an awesome matchup. Yeah. That is something that will definitely be must-watch TV. Yeah, I just 
you know, I'm just going to hedge on the star team, star player, and lean towards Giannis. Yeah, you have to. And obviously, if Toronto does pull off the upset, it will add more fuel to the fire that Giannis yeah. is leaving for New York. We'll already start Jesus. that gas can. Not even going. <laughs> are, we, are we repeating Zion from a couple of years ago? Not even discussing that. <laughs> we had it's, it. At this point, it's just so ridiculous. We're going to get Zion. We're going to get KD. You never know. He might go form with uh, LeBron if they, and the Lakers. Hey, if they, if they hire Jason Kidd, I – there, I will that conspiracy theory. I will start, you know, kindling on and let start sparking. But if they don't hire Jason Kidd, Giannis is not coming. Well, that's going to be the question they're going to have to answer in the off season. But we can't forget about the Western Conference. No. So, Pat, why don't we break down who made it to the dance at Disney? Yep. Uh, so these teams are have clinched their playoff spots. Uh, in first place, you have the Los Angeles Lakers. Second place, you have the L.A. Clippers. Third is the Denver Nuggets. Uh, fourth is the Utah Jazz. Fifth is the Oklahoma City Thunder. And in sixth place is the Houston Rockets. Uh, after that, these are the list of teams who have yet to really clinch a playoff spot, but they're still fighting for it. Uh, you have the Dallas Mavericks, Memphis Grizzlies, Portland Trailblazers, New Orleans Pelicans, Sacramento Kings, San Antonio Spurs, and the Phoenix Suns. Coach, your thoughts? Uh, this is... Again, I mean, I really like the Lakers in this because you're going to have a rested LeBron. Oh, yeah. They've added pieces by adding uh, J.R. Smith. Uh, Deion Waiters, although, you know, can, has had peaks and valleys, has shown that when he is focused and dialed in, which I think LeBron will be able to do because he does do that with his teammates, uh, can be a dangerous player. So potentially off the bench, that's something. They did lose, you know, Avery Bradley, which yep. hurts. Mm. Um, because he was kind of the defensive plug on that team, uh, at least as far as the backcourt goes. But, I mean, that just leads more towards uh, Rajon Rondo playing, which from the workouts and the videos we've seen, Rajon Rondo looks fantastic. Yeah. Probably the healthiest he's been the last four years. Um, so that's something to take into effect. Obviously, the Clippers have to scare you because Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, uh, Patrick Beverly, a dangerous threesome there that – you know, defensively in a shortened season, a short and abbreviated season with playoffs, defense wins championships, and that's what they preach there. So that's going to be scary. And, I mean, I know we'll talk sleepers, but I I mean, I know that I threw, you know, the, the conspiracy theory out, but I kind of like New Orleans in this. I like their shooting. Uh, J.J. Redick, a veteran on that team, Zion Williamson, you know, they get, they're young, they're athletic, they're clicking, you know, their playoff, their pick, their uh, post on social media has definitely been a team that's loose. Mm -hmm. And the same thing as, you know, what we were talking about with Miami. They're playing with house money. Yeah, no, I, uh, I like the addition of J.R. Smith to the Lakers. I also saw the there was a video put out of what the court looks like, the, like the main court they're going to be using for this. There is absolutely no way J.R. Smith should not know what the score is or how much time <laughs> is left. There's got to be like 10 scoreboards on because there's no stands. There's like 10 scoreboards on this court. So there's no way J.R. should forget like how much time is left, what possession it is, or what the score is. So that being said, no, I, the Lakers are going to be scary because, like we said, LeBron's going to have, you know, four months rest, same with Anthony Davis. You know, you look at adding J.R. Smith, they're just looking absolutely freakish. But at the same time, I'm real interested to see what it's going to look because you got to figure at the end of the day they might end up going against the Clippers in the conference finals. That And I, you know what? I'm real interested to see that matchup when they're rested up. The Battle of L.A. is what I think we're ultimately going to get, but I have to read off something. I, I posted this on the ODPH Instagram, and it was Charles Barkley saying a wild quote as, okay. as they have him. Wait, Charles Barkley, wild quote? That never, happen. <laughs> that never <laughs> happens. If the Portland Trailblazers get in the playoffs, they will beat the Lakers in the first round. 
That is what he said. The picture is up here. I mean, I don't – and Good I was just – Portland just came up in my mind before you read that. I don't hate Portland in this. I mean, Melo obviously looks right now that he's in shape. It's just Sun my problem ball. with – my problem with – uh, Portland is, I just don't think defensively because, like, for as much you know, grief as you give LeBron and everything, he does bunker down on defense. Oh, hell yeah. And, and he takes a lot of pride in that. And Anthony Davis is a shot blocking king. So, you know, th- offensively, they have enough to get through, and defensively, they'll stop you. I don't think Portland has enough offense for when a defense, you know, for when another team that has. Uh, offense takes over. They haven't. I don't think they have enough defense to stop them. As we record, uh, Portland av- averaging thirteen point six points per game and giving up one hundred and fifteen point three points per game. Yeah, yeah. I think if it comes down to the Lakers and Portland in the one eight, LeBron will be on Damian Lillard all night. Yeah, and I mean, Rajon like, Rondo can do it too. Oh yeah, yeah. if Rondo is dialed in, see, that's the only question you have with him. If he's dialed in like he was with the Celtics. And yeah. remember that one loose ball that he went literally all the way down the court and was fighting for, and this was the first possession of the game. I remember this because I was in the middle of uh, a casino in Vegas watching this and blown away because everybody in the casino was like, oh, my God, this guy is going crazy, showing that heart. If that guy shows up for the Lakers, yeah, that's going to be another piece that LeBron can utilize. Well, the problem with Rondo is he just he's not he hasn't been healthy. I mean, the thumb, the hamstring, the groins, He's always had that mm-hmm. minor nick or knack that's been, mm-hmm. you know, kind of slowing him up a little bit. And you could, I mean, he missed what fifteen games during the regular season because of the thumb. Yeah. So like I that. mean, you know, he might be healthy enough right now that you might actually get that. I mean, my God, the the post that they had the other day with him shirtless, he looked like a set, he looked like a twenty one year old Rajon Rondo again. Yeah. No, he's definitely been getting in shape and he's been getting himself ready. So like I say, if he's that motivated, that's another weapon for LeBron to use to get to the finals. And I could definitely see him having a breakout playoff run here. I could see, I could fully see it. But if he's not as motivated, like let's say hypothetically they go down 0-2 uh-huh. at the start of the series, are some players going to start dialing out? That's the question you got to kind of wonder. I don't think LeBron would let his teammates do that. No, I just I can't. Even J.R. Smith, he would. I think if there's any kind of miscommunication there, I think Jr. will be on the bench for a while. I think of that the problem thing. is who are you o two or who are you o two down? Because if you're o two down to the Clippers, yeah, you're going to be eek, you know. But if you're o uh-huh. two down to Portland, yeah, you can definitely make a comeback in that series. Right? No, I, well, that's a, my question would be if it's one eight and they're down to New Orleans. Oh, okay. Because I because I have New Orleans. Yeah, no, I mean if it if it's that, then pff, no, LeBron will. Hey, listen, we got to hunker down. It's early. We'll get through this. Yeah, that's why I say his veteran leadership will definitely do it. And, and like I say, with him having the extra rest, yeah, that I think is a I, big factor. I don't think that people realize like what that will do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is literally a guy who has, after the regular season, played in you know four straight Olympics, been in the championship, uh, what seven out of ten years? I think, last I think it was years. like wasn't it like eight straight years? Yeah, I yeah, mean like the bananas. dude, like and yeah. I mean even you know Kobe Bryant had talked about just the mileage that that puts on you going mm. to the finals and then playing in the Olympics and then going right back into training camp like it adds up. So now you're talking about four months of not even being able to play, you know, in your back like backyard, you know, besides maybe playing with his kids, right? You know, he it's not like he's been like having players over and running court, you know, stuff in his backyard. Like no. he, it's been time off. You might be able to shoot up jump shots and stuff, but you're not playing pickup. So like no. his literal, his uh, load management is going to be like 
Zero. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? And listen, I'm not the biggest NBA fan, and even I'm terrified of this because we've seen him at freakish moments where he's just, you know, he goes down the court and it's a chase down block, and we don't know where the heck he came out of. He's going to be doing that every possession. Like I said, it's going to be absolutely bananas to see how he's going to go completely off in this playoff run. It, like, if he did not have this rest, I would say the Clippers would run away with this. Uh, you know, I don't know if they would have ran away with it, but, I mean, they definitely would have had my the advantage because of the fact yeah. that load management with Kawhi would have definitely put them in a position that when the Western Conference Finals came up, that he would have been a little more rested than LeBron. And, I mean, the Lakers did take – a game, you know, during that series, during the regular season. So it's not like the Lakers can't beat, you know, the Clips. It's just Kawhi rested is very, you know, with the yeah. load management. I mean, they, they definitely uh, steer him in the right way that he peaks when he needs to peak, and that's the playoffs. Yeah, so that's why I think, though, he's going to have a really big playoff run. Mm-hmm. Like if they If they don't wind up getting to the finals – they're going to definitely be in the Western Conference Finals. Sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like I think yeah. I, I think it's just the Battle of L.A. It's just yeah. those two teams are so above the rest of the Western Division. That's saying a lot. Right. And again, with the abbreviated season, I yeah, I would agree. I and I would if I was an L.A. fan, I'd be pissed because you know you could have had the opportunity to go to if this goes to a seven game series, going all seven. Yeah. Now oh, you're yeah. not going to be able to do yeah. any of that. No, absolutely. So. Looking at the rest of the Western Conference, though, you never know if you're going to have a sleeper team sneak in there. I think Houston you have to watch out for. I, like To see how this relationship between Westbrook and um, James Harden has been working out. Yeah, surprised. I, I like surprised. Houston. I, yeah. I do. I, I'm, I mean, Dan Tony has got this team playing well with the small ball and everything. It's just the problem is, is that, you know, with this abbreviated season and everything, that – you know, teams that you know, Anthony Davis is going to be tough to match up with. Yeah. Yeah. LeBron's going to be tough to match yeah. up with. And when you're throwing out P.J. Tucker as your center, you know, unless they're shooting the ball and they're shooting a clip of like 45% or higher from the floor, you know, I just don't see them being able to get past these other teams. I think in a normal season, the Rockets would have had a chance to possibly, not saying they would have, but possibly get past, you know, the Clippers or the Lakers if this were a regular season. It's not. Yeah. You've got, like Coach said, you've got LeBron on full rest. You've got Anthony Davis on full rest. And on the flip side for the Clippers, you've got, you know, Boardman on full rest. You've got Paul George on full rest. You've got, you know, and, and let's face it, L.A. Clippers, very good defensively. You know, I just don't think there's any. And, and yeah, okay, Westbrook and Harden got the same amount of rest as the other guys do. But when it comes to the size and the strength and the speed of the Lakers and the Clippers, I just don't think they can match up. No, I fully agree. So let's close it out. Who we got coming out of the West? Lakers. Lakers. I have to say Lakers, too, in seven games against the Clippers, and then you're going to have the dream matchup, Milwaukee and the Lakers. Mm-hmm. And then who goes out with that one? Mm, I'm going to say Lakers. I'm going to say Lakers. I want to say Milwaukee just to be different, but I can't do it. I, yeah, I just I can't. I, I can't. I mean, if, if I'm proven wrong, I'm proven wrong, but – I think the extra rest is going to help LeBron so much that it's tough to say if this is going to be his last run. I think, well, the other X factor is, too, is Anthony Davis. Yeah. Because he has, you know, LeBron has his 1A. Giannis does not have that. I mean, as good as, you know, uh, the Bucks roster is, it's just not as good as the Lakers. Right. Like, it almost would remind me of when uh, – Allen Iverson went up against the Lakers. Oh, oh God. No, no. You had the it's one. not that bad. I mean, he's still got uh, 
Well, uh, I mean, he's got Lopez. You know, he's got the the brothers. Both Lopez's yeah. play there. You know, Kyle Korver shooting threes. Uh, Middleton's there. I mean, Eric Bledsoe. Eric Bledsoe. Bledsoe you know, Matthews. Yeah. So I mean, he's got pieces. It's not like Iverson when he showed up to the gym and he's like. Uh, you, you, and you, you can sit the bench. Uh, Dikembe, you're not playing tonight? Great. All right. Eric Snow, I'm stuck with you. Let's ride. You yeah. know, like, it's not that bad. Like, But it's going to be in the similar vein, though. Yeah, that, I that's mean. That's what I think. Uh, Chris Middleton was an all-star this year. Let's not forget. Oh, yeah. yeah like I said, <laughs> all he, he does, but if you want to go against Anthony Davis and LeBron. Right, no. Yeah, no right. I mean, wh- if you want to compare it to more of, like, an NBA Finals, I would say it's more like when the Nets played San Antonio. Mm. When the okay, Nets had, you when you know Jason Kidd playing at his ultimate peak, and he had pieces, Kenyon Martin, Kerry Kittles, um, you know, but they were young. Yeah, you know, they were young and up and coming. Um, and even though Middleton is, you know, twenty eight right now, LeBron's got, you, you know, he's got uh, Anthony Davis, who is a you know top five NBA player right now, mm-hmm. and you know he's got J.R. Smith, who you know. Can when he gets hot, can shoot the ball from anywhere. You know, a young Kyle Kuzma, who's if he's engaged, playing lights out. Just depends on what Kyle, you know, what Kyle you're going to get there. And then, yeah, you know, Giannis is Giannis, and he's going to do his thing. But ultimately, his limitations of his game will hurt him more than what LeBron will be able to do on the court. Yeah, I, I fully agree. I think with the extra rest, like I, I said, I can't repeat how much of an uh, X factor that's going to be. Stress it enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like stress that more. Yeah, that this is LeBron's year to lose. Just, just imagine you are a top level athlete and you are playing. Like, I mean, professional wrestlers talk about this. Mm-hmm. They wrestle three hundred and fifty out of three hundred and sixty five days a year. And you talk to the guys that are part timers, and you know they, oh God, my body feels tremendous only working fifty dates instead of three hundred and fifty. Yeah, you talk to LeBron about playing literally three hundred and fifty game or you know, over a hundred games a year between all the stuff that he's doing. And now four months off of doing nothing besides working out and shooting. Yeah. I mean, that's why Mello's in the best shape of his life. Yeah. yeah. That's why you yeah. see thin Mello right now, because he didn't have to keep the extra weight on to be able to continue an 82 game season of banging bodies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to see a Mello similar to that run with the Knicks yeah. where he was, you know, an MVP candidate. Now, I mean, obviously, age, father time has caught up to him a little bit, so you're not going to be seeing exactly that. I'm just saying you're going to be seeing a mellow similar to that where he will be able to take over a game if necessary, just not at the same level. It's going to be really interesting to watch the storylines coming out of this, but the fact we're getting the NBA back, exhibition is kicking off this week, games officially start next Thursday the 30th, I believe. Yep, yep. And then we go, what, a week into the games, and then we go into playoffs. It's going to be one of the wildest times in sports the nba is setting a great example of how to come back from covid hopefully everybody stays healthy and they don't have to do another shutdown wishing them nothing but the best and be great to have sports back on the tv so let us know what you think though hit us up on that hashtag hashtag odph the nba returns who you got going to the finals and who's bringing home the chip we definitely want to have the conversation we're going to take a quick break we'll be right back need a podcast that prepares you for the end of the world apocalypse now is the one for you 
Hi, I'm Joanna Van Thine, actor, comedian, and filmmaker. Apocalypse Now is a podcast that asks if we are living at the beginning of the end. Join me every week as I talk with interesting people and decide if we're all doomed. <laughs> Listen wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Brought to you by WannaRub. Hey, this is Brian Wolf from Fair City Fire. You are listening to ODPH, the greatest podcast in Binghamton. Woo! Coming back for segment number two on this edition of the ODPH podcast. And if we're talking baseball, I have to hand the reins over to Pat. So take it away. Yeah. So, of course, as everyone knows, baseball is getting ready to start this Thursday with two sets of games. And then everybody else kicks it off on Friday. And if you know me, you know I am excited. Also ready to get some normal baseball games underway because God knows these exhibition games have been real bonkers. Yeah. Uh, Yankees were playing an exhibition game against the, uh, what was it, Phillies yep. uh, last night. And they got third out, Yes Network, which is, of course, the uh, t- television network here in the tri-state area that carries Yankee games. Uh, went to commercial, came back, and Aaron Judge was circling the bases. And I'm going, wait, what the hell just happened? Uh, because they are this far into the, into the year and pitchers aren't where they should be, they've been trying to stretch out pitchers and get them to a certain pitch count and this and that. And the, uh, Velasquez, I believe, was the gentleman's last name who was pitching for the Phillies, wasn't at his pitch count. And so Aaron Boone looked at Joe Girardi, they had, was managing the Phillies, which, yeah, that was Joe Girardi's triumphant return to Yankee Stadium. Yeah, that's kind of surreal seeing uh, That was weird. Uh, they, they had a quick discussion, and they figured, yeah, why, why don't we let uh, him face one more batter, you know, get the necessary pitches. And so it made more sense to do that than let him sit down, get back up, have, you know, after however long and go back in. And Judge promptly got in there and smacked a home run over center field. So Judge hit a home run with three outs. It, it's weird. I'm ready for regular games. Baseball. Yeah, baseball. <laughs> exhibition baseball. It's it's bizarre. Uh, but getting into some of the rule changes that are going to be taking place this season and in the presumably in the uh, seasons going forward. Uh, first one I'm going to mention is one that I know I and Ken have been wanting to see for God knows how many years. The DH. Universal designated hitter. No no longer will pitchers be hitting in the National League, which, thank God, they have no uh, reason to be hitting. I know purists and old fa- old school baseball fans will be lambasting me for that, but uh, last year National League pitchers hit 131. Yeah, that's not good. No, that that's not good. That's real bad. That's like a guaranteed out. There's no reason for that. So with the universal DH, obviously we'll see a bump in scoring. It'll be real interesting to see, you know, how that factors in. You know, no more double switch. Like I know the National League was very prone to doing so. Real interested to see how that goes. I mean, as a non baseball guy, I mean with pitchers not hitting, I I don't need to see it. No, you I, know, I no. would much rather see a guy go up there and have the potential to hit it, yeah. you know, three fifty than yeah. you know, a guy take three cracks at it. I mean, mm-hmm. what was that one pitcher that literally just yeah. went through the motions? Was yeah. it like uh somebody uh, on the Dodgers, I remember something like, like that. Yeah, yeah, it was brutal. I the one I just always remember is when Jabba Chamberlain was pitching for the Yankees and they were going to I want to say Pittsburgh or something like that. 
and it was his first time that it was a chance that he was going to be able to hit in the majors. And somebody asked him, oh, are you excited to finally take some swings in the majors? And he said something to the effect of not really, because I haven't swung at a baseball that wasn't in batting practice since like high school. I always just remember seeing pitchers in the national league wearing their, their jackets while they're <laughs> going up to bat. Like, yeah. And that's how serious they yeah. took it. So yeah. For me, if you want to be competitive and you want to keep up with demonstrating a good example for your your sport, yeah, have somebody up there that's actually going to care mm-hmm. instead of somebody that's sitting there laughing and taking a half-ass swing yeah. just to say they did it. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. And, yeah. and so if they're going to make this rule change, I know this was discussed pre-COVID, and now it's obviously going to take more into effect. Yep. Long overdue. Long overdue, and especially I know Yankees fans like kind of myself remember when Houston was still in the National League. Yeah. The, Yankees, the Yankees went to play them, and Chin Ming Wong, you know, the then Yankees ace, broke his foot rounding second base. Yeah, and was out for the year. Like, there's no reason for pitchers to be hitting. But moving on, uh, another rule that they have implemented for this year is uh, extra innings will start with a runner on second base. Uh, this is done in effort to get players off the field more quickly with C19 going on. And obviously, so we don't have 18, 19, 20 plus inning extra games. Uh, this rule has been in effect in the minor leagues the last two years. According to uh, ESPN stats and information, uh, minor league games that went into the 10th inning ended 73% of the time with this rule in place. And uh, within two extra innings, they ended 93% of the time. And just to compare, prior to the rule getting implemented, it was uh, 49% uh, ended in the 10th inning and then 74% ended in the uh, extra, two extra innings. So they were going real long. Coach, what is your take on this for overtime rules? I mean, I I would – I it makes it tough because it's like with baseball, you obviously – both teams need to have the opportunity to bat. So mm-hmm. it's like a sudden death thing doesn't really work. But, you know, those innings where you're like you, – the games are going like 19, 20, 21 innings and all of a sudden you're bringing in a relief pitcher that, mm-hmm. you know, technically was the emergency third baseman. Yeah. You know, that's rough too. So, I mean, yeah. anything to help speed up the game is yeah. a win. Yeah, and so, uh, just some stats for Major League Baseball. Uh, last year they had 208 games out of their 2,429, went, so that's 9%, uh, went into extra innings. Uh, of those extra inning games, 44% ended in the te- in 10 innings, 72% uh, ended within two extra innings, and 28% went to 12 or more innings. Oh. It's it's yeah, that's, that's, it's I mean, a long night, but I mean you can't have ties either. So like I like that's the that's the tough part. Mm-hmm. I mean because at the end of the day, when you in a normal circumstance, when you have you know 162 games, maybe a tie doesn't affect things as much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, it probably would though from a standing standpoint. But when you're talking an abbreviated season, ties really things up. So yeah, yeah you really have to get rid well, of them. Well, and especially they're playing 60 games in 67 days. Yeah. So I was one of the writers for the Yankees I followed the other day tweeted out the weather forecast for Washington because they're opening the season in Washington. Uh, Washington forecast, at least as of yesterday, was calling for thunderstorms. It's gonna like you don't have time for like suspended games because it's late. And rain delays when you have, you know, it's not a case of, oh, we're playing 162 games in like a four or five month stretch, whatever it is. Oh, there's plenty of days off in between. We'll just find one that works for the two of you and we'll just play it later. Like, no, no, you ain't got time for this. And I had an idea the other day. Um, I think in instances like with the weather and all that, they got to be since you're not dealing with fans and you're not dealing with, oh, hey, I've got a ticket to this date on this game. 
you got to be real open to moving these games if the need arises where you have a situation where you're looking at you know they're going to play a two three game set in let's just say milwaukee's getting ready to play a two three game set in chicago mm-hmm. and it's they're calling for thunderstorms all three days and it's like a hundred percent guarantee they're calling for thunderstorms they should if they're not they should be real open to like hey let's move these three games to milwaukee where they have an indoor stadium just so that way we know we'll get these games in that's going to be a very big challenge for them to do because especially on the shortened season because obviously with everything going on with C19, this is the plan they've come up with. Mm-hmm. After all the bickering about money that we're finally getting to the game, yeah. so they really don't have any more room for error. Mm-hmm. So they need to get going on this season. Yep. Uh, another rule they have implemented for this year is pitchers will now have to face a three-batter minimum. Uh, this was this rule was uh, implemented before C19. Uh, this, but pitchers will face either a minimum of three batters or complete a half inning. Uh, so this is done to kind of quicken the pace and, and kind of take away. The, I I forget what the term is, but like the utility pitchers. Where I know Yankees had them a lot with David Ortiz. Mm-hmm. They bring you know the bringing a guy from, a lefty specialist, a lefty yeah. specialist, bringing a guy for bringing a guy for one batter and up you're out of there. So gone are those days. Yeah, it makes sense too. Yeah, I mean I don't know. For me, that's part of the chess as you know, being a guy who coaches stuff. You know the chess. The chess matchups are kind of fun. Mm-hmm. So seeing, you know, a guy who, you know, an Ortiz come up and all yeah. of a sudden you have a reliever that, yep. you know, he's one of 47 against. And it's like, but then, you know, the rest of the Red Sox lineup, you know, is batting 700 off of them. You're mm-hmm. like, all right, I know you're going to strike out Ortiz, but I don't want you touching these other two guys. Yep. But now what are the Red Sox going to do? Because if it's the bottom of the ninth and they're yep. down two runs and all yep. of a sudden there's runners on with two outs. You know, you bring this guy out to pitch to Ortiz, what are the Red Sox going to do to counter that? Are they going to trust their guy or are they going to switch hit too? So that's kind of like a chess piece thing that's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I guess when you talk yeah. about speeding up the game, it makes yep. sense to get rid of. Yep. Uh, one of the other things they've changed this year is they will have a 60-man roster slash taxi squad. Now, Good this, God. Well, this is for this year. I don't yeah. see, I don't see yeah, this going can't forward. Go for so before its first game, each team will announce a 30-man roster, which will be cut down to 28 players after two weeks, then 26 after four weeks. Uh, the remaining players who had been part of the team's original 60-man pool will be sent to an alternate site for workouts and training. This, I think, is done in large part to – I know they were talking about this on the Yankees broadcast the other day where – Pitchers aren't stretch out like they normally are. So, you, you know, the, in terms of the Yankees, they were saying they might carry more pitchers than batters just because in a normal season by this point, you would expect, you know, your your Clayton Kershaw's, your Verlanders, your Garrett Coles to be able to go nine innings. But let's face it, they might not be able to. Yeah. So you might need to carry some extra pitchers. Uh, so that'll be real interesting to see. Also, teams will carry be able to carry up to a three taxi squad players on the road, so replacements will be readily available in case of an illness or injury. Uh, if a team carries three players on its taxi squad, one player must be a catcher. Uh, stays on the injured list will be for a minimum of 10 days for both pitchers and hitters, and the 60-day injured list uh, will be reduced to 45 days. Well, I was going to say, you can't go 60 days. It's 60 games. <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, part of the I, the expanded roster obviously just makes sense with yeah. the fact that you're playing you know so many games in so little time. Yeah. Um, so that just is common sense. I mean, if somebody right. gets hurt, you want to be able to, right. especially without the minor leagues, yeah. you want to be able to have somebody on reserve so you can get them up. So that makes sense. Yeah, no, and it makes sense that they're cutting them down. You'll get, yeah, uh, as you'll time goes on. Yeah, yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then in terms of health and safety, uh, team personnel and players will not like uh, not likely to participate in game. Uh, for example, you got, you know, Garrett Cole's going to open uh, Yankees' first game. So uh, I believe James Paxton is their uh, 
believed to be their number two starter. Uh, so James Paxton will not uh, will sit in the stands or another designated area of the club by the club at least six feet apart. Uh, teams have erected tents and similar coverings in the stands to create makeshift dugouts for this purpose. So that, that's really yeah, interesting. I, I know I saw that uh, when the Yankees were playing the Phillies last night, where some of the players who weren't playing, uh, you know, pitchers and and what have you, were sitting in the stands. And one of the baseball writers was uh, somebody might want to check their tickets hmm. in, a, in a joking manner. So that makes sense. Uh, non-playing personnel will wear masks in the dugout and bullpen at all times. Uh, celebratory contact, aka high fives, <laughs> fist bumping, and hugs, is prohibited. Uh, you did see. I saw an, the foot thing. Yeah, I was saying yeah. that the Cleveland Indians are doing a, a bit of this with. They won their exhibition game the other night, and they were all doing like a little foot tap. And like, hey, congratulations! I, I think here my problem with the the mask thing is like it's got to be enforced because mm-hmm. I'm. I mean, yeah. I'm watching while we're recording. There's an MLL game. Yeah. Uh, right now, and the the coaches. I mean, I don't know if maybe it's a, a thing so they can make sure that the player is understanding what they're saying by being able to see their lips too. Mm. But I mean, you got guys that are pulling down their masks right. to talk to players, and it's like right. you're defeating the purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're de- like it just that frustrates me because if you're going, and it's just like in the world right now, if you're going to wear a mask, wear the goddamn mask. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't pull it down so your nose is exposed or whatever. Wear the freaking thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, spitting is prohibited, so there will be no sunflower seeds or chewing tobacco. That's, that's not cool. Although, <laughs> gum is permitted. Uh, well, then I'm spitting that thing out. Yeah. <laughs> Watch me. <laughs> Pitchers will be permitted to carry a small wet rag in their back pocket so that they'll be used for mo- moisture rather than licking their fingers. Uh, hygienically, <laughs> that's a good idea anyway. Yeah. Nah, dude. It's something about, like, I mean, you see, you know, even basketball players, you know, mm-hmm. there's just something about that saliva that helps yeah. get a little more sticky. I'll say, I know the other thing I know that it's not in this article I'm reading from ESPN.com, but uh, when you go to do a pitching change, I know the tradition is like, oh, you hand the ball to the manager and you do none of that. Uh, they take the ball with them and they get a brand new ball that has not been touched by that other player. Mm-hmm. Uh and then uh, prohibitions against unsportsmanlike conduct will be strictly enforced to support physical distancing between individuals on the playing field. So disputes with umpires or between members of opposing teams must be conducted at a distance of at least six feet. Thank God Lou Pinnell is not managing because that would not be Yeah, that happen. would never happen with Lou. No. Violators will be subject to immediate ejection and further discipline. The other thing I was thinking of when I was watching the uh, Yankee game the other day, um, you can hear a pin drop in that stadium since there's no fans in, in attendance. And I know they're, they're talking about putting uh, crowds, artificial crowds on in the stadiums, but like players on the bench are going to have to be real careful what they say because the umpire will hear it clear as day. Yeah, that's going to be another challenge they're going to have to worry about. I think Brett Gardner was, uh, if I'm memory serves me right, was trying to test that a little bit. Yeah, Savage is in the box. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so jumping into uh, looking at this year, we got the American League East. I think it's going to end up being the Yankees. Like Boston obviously has traded away a lot of their good players. David Price is gone. Mookie Betts is gone. You know, I think the Yankees are the odds-on favorite to win this one. Coach, you got any feelings? I mean, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I mean, who else? You know, an abbreviated season with the Yankees pitching that they have, Mm -hmm. with the hitting that they have. Like, come on. Yeah, I mean, you just look. And especially the way the Yankees have been playing, you know, the uh, couple of exhibitions games they had where they had, like, what was it, five home runs against the Mets the other night? Yeah, something something absurd. Yeah, no, it's it's theirs to lose. It should be theirs to lose. Boston is in a – it's always weird saying they're in a rebuilding phase, mm-hmm. but this is one year they're not expected to no. go very far, even with the shortened season. No. You take a look at Toronto, they're having issues of where they're going to even play this yeah, season. That, yeah, that's a curveball thrown their way. Yeah, it's definitely a curveball. Baltimore, they have no pitching, so no. until they get that, they're going to be very irrelevant. Sorry to all our Orioles fans to listen because no. I know there's a bunch. Yeah. Tampa – 
Bay, who knows? Uh, the one thing working out in their favor is they've got a deep farm system that yeah. isn't playing right now. So with a you know sixty game season and needing a lot of backup players at a lot of positions, they're the ones that like are going to play out real good with this. Yeah, they could be a wild card contender. I fully believe that because, mm-hmm. um, like I say, they. They are typically known for building through their farm system. They don't get any big free agents usually no. in Tampa. So no. they could surprise some teams, but I, this is the Yankees to lose, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. If they all stay healthy, and as of right now, they are, except for uh, Tanaka, who's recovering from the concussion. There, and then last thing, uh, Chapman was uh, had tested positive for C19 at least a week or two ago. Yeah. So should be coming back relatively soon, assuming all of the tests come back negative. And my God, that man is ripped. Yeah, he's just been working on Whoa. off season. He looks absolutely frightening. Uh, yeah, it's a little. Yeah, if you're not familiar, look up a photo. It's scary yeah uh switching to the american league central the minnesota i should say the Amer- yankees won the american league last year uh switching to the american league central the minnesota twins won that last year i don't see why they won't repeat it they hit like a monster number of home runs i think they broke the season single season record uh don't think they lost anybody huge you know so i think it's the minnesota twins to lose but i also think chicago is going to give them more of a run than they did last year coach you have any feelings on this yes and I mean, I don't know anything about those teams, so I'm going to say, yeah, sure. I mean, I know Chicago's young, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they've yeah. uh, uh, they got Tim Anderson, I believe, is their yep. uh, the guy's name. Yeah, uh, bat flip I last know, year. I know Detroit's been terrible for a long yeah. few years, so yeah. they're definitely not going to do anything. Kansas no. City, obviously, has always been, you know, since that one run, yeah, uh, kind of been the bottom barrel team. So. Yeah, they they had that one run, and then you know their three kind of key players all left. So it's kind of been well, last year they finished fifty nine and one hundred and three. So. That's not good. No, that's not good. No. So I'm going to go with Minnesota because they sound they sound hot. Right now, well, so yeah, they scored an, almost a thousand runs last year. Whoa, that's a lot of fucking runs. Yeah, yeah they hit a lot of home runs. Yeah, but their stadium is very home run friendly, if memory serves. Yeah, right? their new one, not the Metrodome. Well, I, I mean, what are you going to do I with miss the Metrodome? I don't, I miss now the Metrodome there's going to be too. no crowd noise to stop the ball. There's going to be no airflow, so that thing's just going to fly right out of there. Yeah. yeah, that's science. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Cleveland Indians. Actually, I'll take oh, the okay. upset. Um, right. I think Minnesota is going to contend, but. I don't know. I think a short season might help Cleveland more than it hurts them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've always been known to pull something real crazy out during uh, te- years they're not expected to do well, so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Cleveland on this one. Yeah, uh, switching to the American League West, uh, last year the Houston Asterisks uh, won the division last year. I don't see any reason they're not going to repeat. You know, they haven't lost anything. They, you know, No players have left. They still got everybody there from last year's team that made it to the World Series. Um I think the Angels will make a better run than they did last year, especially with uh, Shohei Otani uh, there for the full year and not out for God, what was it like half or three quarters of the season? Mm-hmm. So I think I think the Angels will make more of a run, but uh, this is Astros' division to lose. Coach, you have any feelings? Yes, <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> Fuck the Astros. Yes, yes, that is that. I can agree on that. I know you're not the biggest baseball guy, but I'm just going to still throw you the mic if you have any kind sure. of Sure. Uh, I mean, fuck, uh, fuck Houston. I mean, yeah. I hope that their season is abysmal. I hope they go 0 for 60. I hope that teams run it up on them, however you can do that in baseball. I hope they peg. I hope their team leads the league in getting pegged. I think I, all I those think things. I think they will. I, think they will. I, they I honestly, God, I hope, and I mean, I don't hit, hope any players get injured from it, but I hope that every single player gets dinged at least once this year. That's probably a safe bet. I know they Good. Play, I know they played an exhibition game today against the Royals. They got hit three times. Awesome. Yeah. I hope they were on purpose. Uh, jury's out on that one. Who okay. Knows? 
Who knows? But no, that's the one thing we're losing out on. Houston's playing in all stadiums with no crowd, so we can't boo them incessantly. Oh, just wait till they get a crowd back, whenever yeah. that day Elephants is. Elephants don't forget. Oh, trust me. If you're a baseball tradition. Oh, no, rich, they're due. Yeah. They're due. Mm-hmm. They'll get yeah. theirs. That's what I said. They, you, you go to uh, stadiums and teams that have a fan base that remembers being, mm-hmm. you know, tradition rich, such yeah. as the Yankees, Yankees such as yeah. the Dodgers. I'll, I'll, say, trust I'll say, how many years after was it when, uh, or uh, not Ortiz, uh, Pedro Martinez said the who's your daddy comment? Oh, yeah. When he was there with the Phillies like five years later? Yeah. The, and, and the Yankee fans are chanting who's your daddy to him? Oh, yeah. Tr- trust me. They will definitely uh, get a very, quote, unquote, warm uh-huh. reception to oh, certain yeah. cities when they go play them. Uh, for me, I'm, I'm going to go take uh, L.A. Okay. Uh, Otani and Mike Trout. I mean, that's yeah. all you need, let alone they got, what, Rendon from uh, yep. Washington? Oh, yeah. Forgot about that. So they have all the potential in the world. And like I say, if you got the reigning MVP, mm-hmm. in my opinion, is Mike Trout. So you got him on your team, Pfft, anything is you're possible. Lo- you're looking real good. Yeah. Switching over to the National League uh, in the East, the Atlanta Braves won it last year, a uh, record of 97 and 65. I don't see there's any reason why they shouldn't repeat you know they're looking real good uh haven't really lost anything in terms of of uh pitching or hitting you know look real good obviously the nationals won the world series they came out of nowhere so we'll see if they're you know played a lot more games than they have in the past though so you know it is definitely a thing for a lot of pitchers and players who you know you go that long stretch in the playoffs that you're not really used to and then you come back and you got to come back and pitch another season but this isn't a normal season. They've had X number of months to really kind of take a layoff and not really do a whole lot. So I still think it's going to be the Braves, though. Going against the Braves, you're going to take another team in the East there. I know it's not the Mets because they yeah. are bad. Yeah. Uh, I'll go – yeah, I'll go with the Braves. I do I do partially root for the Mets, though, just because uh, I want to see their new manager do well because he coached down here in Binghamton, mm-hmm. Luis Rojas. So good luck to you, sir. The one question you got to ask about the Mets is – Who are the Mets? Well, what are the Mets? Exactly. And if it's a short season, they are always plagued by injuries early. Mm-hmm. Will they have that plague hit them now? Yeah. Jury is still out. Well, and I know just watching a couple games the other day, they played against the Yankees. Looking at those lineups, who the hell are you guys? Yeah. Like, I know they've got Cespedes back, but Cespedes hasn't played a full season in two years. Yeah. So, I mean, anything is completely possible. Uh you know, I, I want to take Atlanta. I really do. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to say in a complete upset, I'm taking Philly. Ooh, all right. I'll take Philly, Bryce Harper and company. I'll take a wild shot with that one. Cause like, like, cause Joe Girardi, thing. first year in a new stadium. You, you look at history. Yeah, he'll definitely get fired up. You might see – the real question with that team is going to be how does Harper react to Girardi. True. That is the storyline of that team because yeah. Yeah. Girardi will not take any nonsense. No. And, uh, you know, for no clown questions, <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm just saying that could be a ticking time bomb in that dugout. Yeah. So for that reason yeah. alone, I'm yeah. going to root for him. Uh, the Nationals, I mean, let's face it, you they came off a great year last year. Mm-hmm. Can they repeat and do it again? Who's to say? I mean, it, especially that they re-signed all their pitchers that they were going to be worried about losing. Mm-hmm. They did let Rendon go. Yep. So what do you know where you're going to get? Because anytime a team wins the World Series, look what happens. Yeah. So that being said, I don't know how they're going to match up. Atlanta should do well on paper, yeah. but then again, it's on paper. And then, as we always say, who is Atlanta? What is Atlanta? Was Atlanta? So that being said, 
I'm going to take the Phillies in the in the surprise. Yeah, uh, the next one is the National League Central, and to me, this is the like the most wide open of all the divisions because it's Christ Almighty, who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, the St. Louis Cardinals won it, uh, won the division. And looking at this year, this is literally a, gave me like a five sided die or so, however many six sided die, and just I'm going to roll a die and see who wins. Uh, but putting me on put me on the spot, uh, I'm going to go with the Reds. Um, you know, Reds look like they got some good pitching. Their hitting's not all that bad. Uh, scored 701 runs last year. I th- I think it's going to be their time to shine. Coach, any feelings? Uh, I'll cheer for the Reds. Gotta sure, I gotta love Cincy. You know, yeah, they've they've had some hard times. Yeah, you know, it's been a while since they've been yeah. relevant. So yeah. that will be fun. The Bengals are going to be bad. Gorgeous ballpark. Yeah, yeah. great looking ballpark, full of beautiful things um mm-hmm. rich mahogany so i'll yeah i'm gonna go with the reds just because we have a very loyal listener by the name of adam Pachano who chimes in oh yeah uh, i'm going to take christian Ye- christian yelich and the milwaukee brewers well, so the he's, gonna, he's gonna say you cursed him now probably so i'll definitely be hearing on social media at od parlay hour on twitter but this one like pat touched upon this is wide open for any team to take. <laughs> has been like the last six years yeah so i'm not expecting anything out of this division to be no. honest with you so no I, like I said, with all bets off, why not the Brewers? Mm-hmm. They're due. Yeah. Uh, next, you have the National League West, which the L.A. Dodgers won last year. 106 and 56 was their record. Listen, man, if, if the Dodgers are going to win it, this is their year. Like, if they don't win it this year, that team is getting blown the you-know-what up, and everybody outside of maybe Clayton Kershaw is going to be gone. Coach, Dodgers are bust. Dodgers, yeah. it's all Yeah, that's the only way to ride in that division. Yeah, I have to agree. Cody Bellinger, your NL MVP, enough said. I mean, yeah. I mean, plus you have Clayton Kershaw, and even if he's at fifty percent, because usually he has injury troubles this this time of year. Yeah, San Diego did a thing though, right? This off season. Yeah, I mean, San Diego could yeah. make a move. Like, okay, like I say, the team. The thing, I know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I'm the, in it. I got it. Baseball expertise. <laughs> they did a thing. They yeah. signed a guy. Yeah, I mean, the thing about them is they have a deep farm system. Obviously, yeah. they got Manny Machado. So if Manny gives, I don't know, half percent of uh, caring, <laughs> then they might actually have a chance. Don't I mean, forget they, they paid him a half of a dump truck of money. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, don't forget they got Fernando Tatis Jr. at short. Yeah, I mean, they, good. they have some potential to make a run. Like, I wouldn't doubt them getting the wild card. Dude, yeah. Fernando Tatis' son is playing baseball now yeah yes. my god i'm so old yeah, yeah. no uh and then <laughs> what is it vlad guerrero jr yeah I, well, I know yeah. vlad yeah. yeah but vlad yeah. was like almost retiring as i was like growing up so like that's yeah. okay but like yeah. fernando tatis was like i was 18 yeah. when he was playing yeah, yeah. he's a shortstop with san diego oh my god yeah like they have like i say they have a lot of potential it's scary mm-hmm. can they pull it off I don't think they take the Dodgers, but no. like I say, wild could card. they get wild card? Absolutely. I think that they could, but it depends if Machado cares. If he doesn't mm-hmm. care, then they're going to suck. It's like Machado, Sorry. Not- <laughs> notorious for not running out to first base. Yeah, he, he just he well, certain it's a games. Far, he, it's far away away. You don't want to pull that hammy. Yeah, yeah that's 90, true. Ninety feet of terror. Yeah, I mean that's a dang, how many guys have you know uh, the old story like sprinting out for first for no reason, and all of a sudden they tear their yeah. hamstring. Yeah, yeah, that's so, yeah, true. Maybe Manny Machado's on next level. Yeah, could be. Quite possible. Yeah. No, and then uh, in terms of World Series, because, you know, I think it's just easy to skip to that. I think it's going to end up being the Yankees and Dodgers old school World Series matchup. That'd be fun. Yeah. I haven't had one of those in a while. You know what? Let's just make it happen. I agree. Baseball. Let's just rig it. (laughs) You've done it before. Yeah. 
I, you know, I think it's possible to have those two teams wind up there fully. I mean, the Yankees and Dodgers are clearly the most stacked teams in their mm-hmm. respective divisions. If they all stay healthy, there's no reason they shouldn't get there. No, there could be a surprise though in one of the wild cards. Like I say, Tampa Bay could get hot at the right time. San Diego, prove me wrong, but you know I don't think you're going to be San the Diego. Team to do you it. prove whatever you need to prove. Yeah, because you, don't need, you do what you want. Exactly. Don't let Ken talk to you that way. Oh, I, I will because I'll challenge him too. Because okay, I want to see. I want to see them well, actually do something. I'm going to speak on behalf of the organization and challenge accepted. Okay. We'll definitely have to see when it kicks off, but I'm telling you this. Baseball, now that all the drama's gone, we're finally going to get some games. Uh-huh. Maybe we'll start getting some stuff back on track with the league and see where we do go from here. I mean, that's the thing. We're starting out. This is not as clear-cut safe-wise as hockey and basketball has been. Right. There's still a- Yeah, it's going to be very interesting with travel and logistics. Because I think one thing that we have to watch with them is, like you touched upon, the travel logistics. Mm-hmm. Because whatever they're doing, and God forbid you see players start getting sick with COVID, mm-hmm. well, I think this is going to have a profound effect on what the NFL is going to well, do. Well, I, I think the thing they've got going for them is, I forget the exact statistic, but a couple of weeks ago it came out, they had a batch of testing, and it was like 1% or something like that. It was a very low number came back positive and there hasn't really been anything since that like, Oh, Hey, they've tested like a huge number of tested positive. So everything seems to be going smoothly. So well, far. I think here's the other concern too. I mean, that we needs to be talked about. Mm-hmm. It's not it's politics. We've got New York, the Yankees and the Mets. We've got two. And now Toronto will be playing in Buffalo. Well, is that a, that's rumored. That's rumored. rumored. Well, I mean, yeah, they're not playing in Canada. No, no, they're definitely so. not playing in Canada, but there was some talk they're not even going to play in Buffalo. They're going to go somewhere else. Okay. So well, outside the state. So just well wherever they go, though, I mean, there's two teams, period, right now in New York. Mm-hmm. There are travel restrictions. Right. It, it, all, it all depends on what leniency they're given by the state. Yeah. And It'll be, that will be interesting because, again, that will also be a reflection on what they do with football. Yeah. Well, it, it, my guess is they're going to be real uh, selective with who goes. Obviously, the players will go. The coaches will go. Sure. I think in terms of other staff, you'll have one trainer go. I think any excess people that you might have normally go on the, on the trip won't go. I do know for broadcasting, uh, the broadcasters will not go because right. even when the Yankees were playing the Mets in City Field the other day, uh, the Yankees broadcasting team was in New York, in the Bronx, at Yankee Stadium, calling the game from Yankee Stadium. Right. So when the Yankees go to play Atlanta, down in Atlanta, Michael Kay and whoever is doing the game with him, Paul O'Neill, David Cohn, won't be in Atlanta. They'll be in Yankee Stadium calling the game from that's in Atlanta. Yeah. So that's because they've got the they've even got the broadcasters separated in the separate booths. You know, I know they've been doing uh, post game interviews via like Skype or Zoom call. That like you've got them sitting in front of a computer answering questions while all the writers are like in on the same call. So they're doing some stuff, but like you said, time will tell. Yeah, that's going to be the big question mark for them. Is now that okay, your season is up and running, you're going to try traveling. As coach touched upon, there is travel restrictions in New York State. Right. So it's not everywhere, but yeah, I mean, it's it not will, everywhere, but just it, to clarify, it will directly affect, I would think, New York stuff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So any New York sports team is going to be tremendously impacted by this. So yeah. I don't know what we're going to see get written into law about this. I mean, is it going to be something where Florida was deeming certain. Uh, 
sport organizations as essential and that mm-hmm. was allowed to go. I mean, we don't know. This is a lot of area that has a lot yet of, to be defined. Yeah, I mean, my, a lot yeah, of it is we don't know. My guess is the teams, will, when they travel, won't be allowed to leave the hotel rooms. That if they do, they'll be subject to a fine or something. Yeah, like, I, no, think, I would the think most logical sense. That yeah. would be the only thing that would make sense. And I think probably teams that travel here, there upon their immediate arrival, would be tested. Yeah, you know, you have to. Yeah, you have to test them before and, and after leaving too. Yeah. I mean, you're, yeah, it it's going to be a very unique process for teams to come play in New York, mm-hmm. and especially if they're traveling in and out of the state. If that is giving you know allowance. You know, I mean, it's, I wasn't certainly trying to make it a political. I mean, oh, no, 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 this no, no, is no. this is something that's facing New York, you no, know, and especially because uh, if uh, we have listeners obviously all over the world, if you're not familiar with what is going on in New York State right now with COVID, there is a travel ban. If you are in 23 other states at least, and international, no, more you are, than that. Now it's oh, there's only 14 states that are not on the list. Yeah, it goes up every day. Yeah. So due to that, just to clarify that point. The New York State has given a list of states that can travel to and from New York, and, and it's basically the Northeast. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 no, he's right on right on the money with that. So, going into a professional league, who knows what's going to happen there? Yeah. and that's going to be the big X factor going into this season because whatever they do, like I say, the NFL is going to be watching very closely. Yeah, facts. And yeah. whatever happens with baseball is going to tremendously impact the NFL. Yeah, I know. Obviously, you're saying okay, it's two different sports. Yes and no. Yes, it is two different sports, but no, it's not two different businesses. My guess, and this is just a guess, they might do something similar to what the NFL is talking about, where with the NFL they're talking about leaving like day of or right. something and getting My guess is baseball will do something similar where Yankees, let's just say, are going to Boston. Mm. They might leave New York and at a timely fashion and get to Boston in time for whatever they're going to do, pregame, batting practice, fielding, whatever. Like, they they go fly to Boston, land in Boston, immediately go to the stadium, play the game, immediately go to the hotel. Like, no dilly-dally, no go checking out downtown Boston or some of your favorite eateries from the stadium to the hotel, and then play your next set of games and however many games it ends up being. And after you're done with that last game, immediately out well i think that but that's also the difference between the nba and the nhl where they're doing hubs right yeah, this right, is right you know you are traveling on the road so the nfl and the mlb will be able to try you know that well the nfl in particular will be able to piggyback on what they see mlb do yep. because yep. it'll be the logistical same you know idea mm-hmm. there's so many question marks going into the season but we are going to have baseball that's one fact that we definitely mm-hmm. can say for how long it all depends on how everybody stays healthy and how this season is progressing forward with all the new normal. Yeah. I, I hate saying that term, but yeah. it's it's the truth, though, with all the new normal restrictions going on in the world. Baseball is definitely back. Mm-hmm. Once all the drama has now finally been pushed aside, we're excited. Nobody's more excited than Padawan J. No. So definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH, and let's talk about some baseball. Who's your predictions to go win the cup this year? We definitely want to know. I know Pat and I and Coach are all in agreement it's going to be the New York Yankees. Uh-huh. But yes. if you have a differing opinion, we definitely want to have that conversation. So hit us up. Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. If you're into all things comics, you have to check out Take a Knee for Marvel vs. DC, your go-to podcast for comic and superhero discussion, debates, polls, and more. Tune in as regular Scott and Ozzy Killmonger chat about your favorite comic topics, and you never know who may show up for an open mic or what will be next on their favorite, One Gotta Go. Take a knee for Marvel vs. DC. Every Sunday, powered by the Defy Light Podcast Network. 
this is Mike C. from Horror Zone 607, and you're listening to the ODPH, the most killer podcast on the planet. Coming back for the third segment on this edition of the ODPH, and it's time to run the ropes. We're going to talk some pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. Wrestling! Because this weekend, there was some good, there was some bad, and there was some what the hell am I watching? Because the name of one of them can honestly be used to describe what we saw. And that is? A horror show at Extreme Rules, because I'd say for a lot of people, they'd say it was a horror show. Quite literally. Oh, uh-huh. I, we definitely have to agree. But we have to say the good, though. I know I caught it. Rich from 3FN caught it. Uh, a couple of our listeners were chiming in about it, and that was Impact's Slammiversary pay-per-view. So I got to admit, did not watch it, but I did see some of the uh, reactions online. Seemed to be uh, mostly positive. Oh, yeah, very positive. Impact Wrestling always does great pay-per-views they somehow wind up pulling it off uh, their weekly show you can hit or miss in my opinion yeah they had a lot of former wwe stars that have now just signed with the company the good brothers yes uh, luke gallows and carl anderson good tag later oh yeah um and you had ec3 returning in what capacity we don't know well that that them signing that him was like the least surprising news it, it, out of out of everyone going getting released from wwe and like, oh, they could go here. They could go. Like, I know we were talking a bunch of names. Uh, I was like, yeah, no, we know where EC3 is going. Well, he was. I, oh, uh, yeah, he was flirting with ROH. So he was flirting with ROH and he was flirting with AEW, too. Yeah. I yeah. I mean, I think this is probably the right spot for him because they book him really well there. Uh, and I mean, from his vignettes, he looks like a million bucks right now. So. Yeah. He definitely, yeah, yeah. He's definitely proving he can get over without a big hype production. Like, it's been very low-key stuff he's well, doing. Well, Dean Ambrose had set the precedent for that. So. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely Impact had a great show. So coming off that high, we go into WWE's Extreme Rules slash Horror Show. Duh. Sunday night. Uh-huh. Yes, uh, it, it was something. So we're going to be reviewing the card, giving you our opinion on it. So, Pad, why don't you kick it off? We are talking spoilers, so you have been forewarned. Yeah, uh, let's face it. If you haven't watched it, you, you can probably skip it. You can probably say thank you for breaking it down for you so yeah. you don't have to watch it. Yeah, so to uh, so open the show, you had Kevin Owens defeat Buddy Murphy. Thoughts on that, Coach? I just, I mean, more of the, the storyline of Kevin Owens versus the Monday Night Messiah group. So, I mean, a decent matchup, but... Yeah, not pushing the needle. Thankfully, I missed most of this because, like I said, I had no... I don't know if I said this on air, but I know I told you off air. I had no intentions of watching this pay-per-view. ended up watching it, but it wasn't until you got to the Sasha Banks-Oscar match, so I didn't see this. But the fact that I didn't see anything kind of reacting from it online kind of told me all I needed to know was it was nothing special. No, this one was a a good opener, though. Buddy Murphy is one of the most underrated wrestlers on the roster. I know without Paul Heyman at the helm of Monday Night Raw, he's kind of fallen by the wayside a little bit. Well, uh, partially that, and I think partially also just because of whatever plans they might have had for that group keep getting thrown up in the air. You know, obviously AOP going down with injury again, and just it's it always seems to be a start and stop for that group. Yeah, but Murphy versus Kevin Owens was a great opener kevin owens returning after he took a little time off from wwe it was a great match so yeah. i, I, was, I th- definitely thought it was a solid opener to kick off the show uh after that you had a tag team matchup for the wwe the, for the smackdown tag team championship uh between biggie and kofi kingston who are defending against cesaro and nakamura and you have an and new uh with cesaro and nakamura pinning biggie and kofi kingston thoughts on this coach yeah i i guess my frustration just comes from cesaro just being 
plugged in with you know mid card former mid card champions and then just being stuck in a tag team for kind of no rhyme or reason i mean i know they had the whole story with Sami Zayn at first mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. still it was like kind of a random pairing i kind of would have thought once Sheamus came back they would have i liked the bar i mm-hmm. mean yeah. they worked really well together yeah, yeah. you know but obviously pan- plans changed so yeah I just getting off the getting the titles off of New Day just for them to probably win it in another six months. No, yeah, I fully expect New Day to get the titles back at some point. But I I like the prospect of Cesaro and Nakamura being tag team champions. Both are very good wrestlers. We know that. You know, I can I can kind of get my hopes up that they're going to do something with this. But I, Christ knows we know Cesaro's track record, and this is nothing against him. This is just the way that he's been booked. You give him a couple inches, and then you yank him back a couple miles. But as we've said in the past, the one of the things lacking, at least with SmackDown and maybe Raw to a certain extent too, is tag teams. I'll be honest with you, outside of the New Day, I cannot name one other tag team that is on SmackDown. And and giving Cesaro and Nakamura the tag team belts, I feel like, is a good opportunity to build up the main, you know, SmackDown and Raw's tag team division because, let's face it, they might get moved over to Raw at some point. A couple of thoughts from this match. Uh, one... I really didn't have a problem taking the belts off the New Day if it leads to them finally doing a split, no. which has been ruined. I, I'm sorry. I think Biggie Langston should have a push on his own. Long overdue, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, I still think you can keep them in New Day and May, still push Big E. But. Maybe once Xavier comes back. Or even what I was even thinking they should do is do a trade with Raw and NXT and split up the New Day that way mm-hmm. so you have yeah. a member on each show. I just don't I don't, I don't don't need to see one of them turn heel on each other just because their, their run has been so long that, like, a heel turn almost seems obvious. So, like, just a natural breakup or something like that would be better. Maybe. Yeah, it would be the finish to this match, though, was Excellent, which Cesaro giving Kofi a power bomb from the top rope through two tables on the floor. Ow. It was impressive. Ow. So, and that's how they won the belts because it was a tables match. Perfectly fine with that. Uh, and like Pat was touching upon too, Cesaro has never really gotten a fair shake of a singles push no. since he's been WWE. I know he was U.S. champion a, a while ago, but yeah. honestly, who, who remembers that unless you're a diehard? I, yeah. I actually kind of forgot about that so did i yeah so unless you're a diehard wrestling fan you don't remember that uh shinsuke nakamura obviously has had some success but not what we all think he should have had no so if you're gonna pair them together that's fine but i'm also fearing that this is a setup for heavy machinery to take Mm. the belts because they're all very big on otis right now no pun intended so have to wait and see about that, but I was happy to see Cesaro and Nakamura get yeah. the belts. In fact, talking about Sheamus, he actually tweeted out congratulations oh, okay. to Cesaro during cool. the match. So it's definitely a, cool. a little fun moment there. Yeah. Uh, after that, you had the uh, matchup for the SmackDown Women's Championship with Bailey defending her uh, belt against Nikki Cross. Coach, I I just I don't know what they're doing with this Bailey storyline because obviously we'll get into the Sasha stuff later on. So I, everything felt like it was inevitably going to be Bailey versus Sasha. And now I don't know what the hell is going to happen. So it's tough. Uh, SmackDown just hurts from having a lack of depth in the women's division um, that are actual contender, you know, contenders. So that's a problem. Um, but I mean, obviously, Nikki Cross probably, you know, a solid hand, you know, good in the ring, fun to match up with, and and Bailey's heel run right now is very good. So yeah, it's it's hard to tell what they're doing this because I think everybody is been kind of waiting for this inevitable split up of those two and to face each other 
and and we'll get to it in, in a minute, but I think they might be setting up for something a little bit bigger because given what happened with the Sasha Banks match and then what happened on Monday Night Raw last night, you had Bailey tweet out today directly at Steph McMahon is done for with like four exclamation points. So I, 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 she's directly calling out Steph, and then I should add, there's like four angry face, red angry face emojis. Yeah, I feel like they're setting up for something maybe a little bit more before they get to the inevitable Sasha Bailey match. Well, what happened at the end of Raw, or I mean during Raw, was a result of uh, what happened with the Sasha match. So I'll get into that a little later. But for this match, I my th- takeaways was one: this was Nikki Cross's best match on the main roster. Right? Oh yeah, hands down. Bailey getting the win, not really too surprised at because they're just dragging a slow drag mm-hmm. to SummerSlam. The storyline, like mm-hmm. the, they're just yeah, like taking so many baby steps with this. Yeah. That I honestly, I'm losing interest in this storyline. Well, I, you can definitely tell that they were going to pull the trigger a little earlier, right? With yeah. this split up, but then you know, obviously, COVID hit. Becky left. And then shit hit the fan. <laughs> yeah, and then I think Charlotte, Charlotte, and then time yeah, off Charlotte took a time off. So I'll say, like they had like three or four storylines that they had set for SummerSlam get like tossed out the window. The only thing that I thought was very interesting and a surprise is they ran a little vignette last night on Monday Night Raw as we're recording with Shayna Baszler watching Bailey. Oh, okay. So I don't know if they're planning on moving her to SmackDown. That like, might make sense. Yeah, which if they do that, I'm okay with. But overall, like this match was, it was a fun match. It was. Nikki Cross is, like I said, her best match. Albeit, though, those uh, weird Asuka, Kyrie Sane, Alexa Bliss, Nikki talking before the match. Yeah. And it was like a, a pep talk, and then Kyrie was like, well, it's still, if you lose, we're still friends. Like, oh. it was just it was just like this weird moment. So, yeah. I don't know if they're going to try building something in there before Kyrie leaves the company. As well, she, uh, well, supposedly, if you read the rumors, last night was her last show. Right. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Last supposedly, according to the rumor sheets, uh, the the episode they aired last night was her last show, so she gone. Uh, which is sad, which is sad to see, but hey, she's leaving to go be with her husband over in Japan. Which hey, kudos to you. Yeah, and I think they were kind of making her an ambassador <laughs> yeah. to the company over yeah. there. So hey. she's leaving in good, in good graces. So if she ever wants to come back, they'll take her back in a heartbeat. Oh, absolutely. Uh, going on to the next match, you had Seth Rollins defeat Rey Mysterio oh. in an eye for an eye match. Coach, <laughs> I'm so glad I missed this. I mean, you would think, like, the matchup would be exciting. This story's been so bad. On paper, it's a good matchup. Right. And, I I mean, the Monday Night Messiah character is just, it has steered right from where I thought it was going to go. I I think (laughs) you're right, but I think this is kind of like with Drew McIntyre and all that. It needs a crowd. Right, right. This would work, I think, to a certain degree if there were a crowd that wasn't your own people that, like, you had there in the crowd. Like, if this was in an an arena with fans and, and, you know, not paid employees, it would work better. I think that's a fair statement. Obviously, like you touched upon earlier, AOP getting hurt kind of, you know, changed some things up. So it kind of hurt the original probably game plan of this. Yeah. Um, You would have thought. You know, Seth would be as the top heel would be, you know, pushing Drew McIntyre, you know, in matches, but whatever. Um, What can you say about this? I mean, (laughs) an eye for an eye, you know, kayfabe, not kayfabe, you know, is wrestling real? Is it not real? And all of a sudden now you want us to suspend disbelief thinking that a guy's going to, a human person's going to rip another eye out. You know, it's one thing to make us pretend like we didn't watch vehicular manslaughter, but to, you know, try and make us stop disbelief that somebody's actually going to rip out another person's eye. Like, that's 
that's too gimmicky for me. Wait, you mean JR really didn't get lit on fire all those years ago? Yeah, like I mean, like, I mean, we're gonna touch upon the you know the the end of the night match with Braun and Bray, and it's like, all right, that one like I can believe and suspend disbelief because like it's already a cinematic match, so I've already got that acceptance in my head but like you got these guys going against in the squared circle and now you're going to try and tell me that another yeah. dude's going to rip another guy's yeah. eye that yeah. wears a mask too nonetheless i just yeah weak. i i was really trying to wrap my head around how they were going to do this because i had two fears about this like one they were going to do the ending which you lost this match if you lost your eye that's how it was wrestling folks i thought they were either going to do some real cheesy cgi Right, or which is what they were well, talking about, was rumored. Or they were going to do a prop like Rowan Spider oh, yeah. and do something really over the top, and I was going to see, like I, like, I wasn't even sure where they were going after that. This match was good until the ending, and the ending was seeing Rey Mysterio having a fake eye in his hand. And, and it's not even a good fake. Yeah, yeah no. I didn't it? watch the match, but I've seen the photo. It's not even a good one. No, it's not a good fake. Uh, so I don't know how they want to put it. Like, or, you, like you couldn't call up Greg Nicotero from uh, Walking Dead and be like, hey, can you send us a prop of a fake eye? Because that would have been pretty convincing. Or something. with all the editing and time that you could have had oh to, God, yeah. to do this, yeah, to gimmick it up, yeah, you know, you had time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Seth Rollins didn't gimmick when he puked like, yeah, outside right. the ring, which was... Yeah. Uh, that was... Yeah. I mean, yeah. So this whole match, like I said... Good match. Ending was oh, that was something. Yeah, that's all I could say. I, I keep saying on social media. Uh, yeah, that was something. Yeah. Uh, on to the next match. Uh, you had uh, the match for matchup for the Raw Women's Title with Oscar defending her belt against Sasha Banks, and uh, this is the point where I tuned in. Uh, and Sasha Banks defeated Oscar. Well, I should say on paper, great matchup. Most of this match, great matchup. Ending, hot garbage coach yeah i mean i think that to continue i know I, I mean to continue the the sasha bailey thing would have been one thing but then you put the title on you know sasha in this controversial fashion of you know them helping each other which was weird oscar just started taking off she's probably been the best thing during covid raw era that yeah. we've had yeah you know most entertaining and you know you take the title away from her which you know, will probably lead to her not being on TV as much. So it's like, I don't know. Uh, the matchup and the story, the match was fine. You know, I liked it. Um, but, yeah, I just I don't get why taking the title off of her makes sense here. No. It didn't make a lot of sense. And I know they were trying to explain, well, Bailey put on the refs right, shirt. Right, I get was, that. And it was like, I, I think they're what they were trying to do, and I know this is going to sound weird, I think they were trying to say that, that was Bailey's way of preventing Sasha from winning. Because then the next night... Sasha came out with Bailey. They had everybody's belt. Asuka and Kyrie Sane came out. And uh, Stephanie McMahon, that's when she showed up on the video screen. Okay. Well, and that's because that was one thing I know I was discussing with you, I think, earlier that day before the episode had aired. Because I was like, how the, how the hell are they going to fix this? Because to me, Bailey wasn't an actual referee. I'm sorry, throwing on a referee shirt doesn't automatically sure. get you to call the match. Like, how the hell are they going to fix this? Because there are no general managers there are no commissioners yeah like they had the last couple of years there's not even a, a, a figure group like the authority it's kind of like the inmates are running the asylum They're like so how the hell are they going to fix this yeah so steph came on the the titan tron and said uh oscar you didn't win but neither did you sasha so next week it's going to be you two and the stipulation is if oscar or if uh, sasha gets counted out disqualified bailey does anything 
Sasha loses the so, match. So Sasha, got, Sasha okay. doesn't get the champion's advantage. Yeah, so yeah. there's no champion advantage. It was basically if, if Bailey does anything, Sasha loses the belt. Asuka nope. wins. So I think that's where we're going to start seeing the final like turning of the wheel to get this Bailey versus Sasha's ball rolling. Sure. Finally, hopefully, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, maybe yeah. we'll see. I don't know. I yeah. don't know. Maybe yeah. I don't know. I don't like. I say I, I really want to be excited about the storyline, but they've been I'm dragging not. their feet about this so yeah. much. It's like yeah, you know, like I say, it's just it's just dragging, and it's just like it's stuck in it's stuck in quicksand. It's not uh-huh. going anywhere. Uh, after that, you had a matchup for the WWE Championship with Drew McIntyre defending his belt against Dolph Ziggler in an Extreme <laughs> Rules match, which we didn't know what the stipulations were until like literally the last second. And I got to say, creative stipulations. Yeah. Oh, very creative, Coach. Yeah, I thought, uh, I mean, it was interesting pick for the stipulation. I thought it was going to be maybe like a, you know, a ladder match or whatever, but to, you know, not let Drew, you know, Drew couldn't do anything to get him disqualified or he would lose the title, I think is pretty we'll say clever. The stipulations were like a mile long, and I'm trying to find. Yeah. Uh, oh, here we go. Uh, st- extreme rules stipulation only applied to Ziggler. McIntyre had to wrestle under normal singles match rules. Uh, furthermore, uh, had McIntyre got disqualified or counted out, Ziggler would have won the championship. Yeah, that's pretty clever. I like yeah, it. No, that, Different, freshing. Yeah, um, I was not looking forward to the matchup, but as soon as he said those stipulations, my ears perked up a little bit. Yeah, the match still was yeah. good. Uh, that pro that that the kick the, the claymore, claymore kick was, oh my god was savage i mean i mean dolph if there is one thing that you can't say dolph is a good bumper yeah yeah and a good hand is one of them yeah because he took that claymore kick oh. to the face oh. yeah i thought this was arguably match of the night yeah like i, I well re- that's by default yeah well, <laughs> but any, but anytime you have dolph in there he, like i say he always says he's the show stealer and it's it's fact yeah he always gets in there he always outshines everybody's in the ring with mm-hmm. and really did a good job putting McIntyre over. Yeah. And I believe now the stipulation is Dolph came out last night and, and challenged Drew. He said, whatever match you want to have, I want another shot. I, I had you beat, blah, blah, blah. And Drew said, okay. And I believe he said, well, you know, the stipulations you had last night, well, it's going to be my turn to have those stipulations. <laughs> so that's what they're setting up for. I think it's just going to be on raw next week. Yeah. So that should be a fun one. Like I said, these two working together is pretty good. And then obviously whoever they're going to pair drew with going into SummerSlam. Well, uh, there's a rumor. I, I I'm fearing it's Randy Orton. Uh, that's the rumor, which uh, I, I'd be okay with, but the, the Randy Orton storyline after edge left is rumor. Cause rumor has it. They were supposed to film uh, because they filmed two episodes yesterday. One was the episode that aired and then one was supposed to be for next week. Rumor has it that they were supposed to have filmed uh, some sort of segment setting up for Orton versus Drew at SummerSlam, and just for whatever reason, it just didn't get done. Whatever. I mean, Orton's heel right now. You know, he's up there with Rollins, so yeah, yeah, it's it makes be, sense that that's the next step it'll for be his one, character. Yeah, yeah. it'll be I one mean, of those two. I I know that the rumor was taking the title off of Drew and putting it on him, and I mean I wouldn't be opposed to you know having Orton as a champion for a run, maybe have a title match against Edge once that bicep or tricep heals up. I mean I wouldn't be, be I wouldn't be either, but just right now with the way ratings are going, it's it's if they do it, it's clearly a ratings ploy. Yeah. Well, I bet I mean that wouldn't that's not making me watch the show. Either, no, you know? but but what you, I, I get some of the articles I was seeing today said Vince doesn't care about the ratings. Bullshit. Vince well, cares about the ratings. I think he cares, but I don't think he cares as much as the internet wants you to think he cares. Like, what I mean by this is SmackDown and Raw have both been under 2 million Yeah, uh, past couple weeks. Historic uh, lows. Yeah, which is historically low for them. In comparison to AEW, oh, he, they're light years away. Right. I mean, oh, yeah. the lowest Raw, I believe, is 1.8. 
AEW. They ain't even cracking a million. Has no, they haven't even cracked. They've barely cracked eight hundred thousand. Yeah. Well, that's. But again, here's the thing. They, I mean, they're they don't. What does Vince give a shit about in today's market? Why does he give a shit about ratings? Exactly. All he needs to make sure is, hey, USA, how are you doing? Hey, mm-hmm. Fox. How you doing? Exactly. You know, that's all he needs to care about. And that's why I think he understands, too, there's no live crowd, so obviously that is affecting. Yeah. And yeah I, I mean, I understand the frustration. Yeah. You know, that the shows haven't been good, and I'm sure he probably feels that in a way. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. But, you know, I, I, I what can you do? No, that's the thing. You have to make good on the, the situation you're in. And I think he's done a good job with mm-hmm. it, love him or hate him. I think he's handled the situation probably as best as anybody in his position is going to handle it. I mean, you can't, your top two guys are not with the company right yeah. now. You know, I mean, what can you do? Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. And and he's making the best with who he has on the roster. I mean, yeah. as some moves really worked, like, I'm sorry, the Jeff Hardy storyline, that's, that's yeah. cool, which I'm glad they took the match with him and Sheamus off the bar fight that was supposed to happen. Oh, yeah. I hope they forgot about it and just it's in the garbage somewhere. Well, you're going to see it Friday on SmackDown. They're already advertising no. it. See, and I think that's another thing they did, too, is they moved shows or matches off this card to build up hype for Raw. Like, that's why what I'm, I originally thought that was what they did with Apollo Crews and MVP. Mm. But I guess Apollo Cruz wasn't medically cleared to wrestle. I don't know what this if that was storyline yeah. or real. Uh, either way, because he didn't wrestle on Monday night, right? Um, so I know they moved Randy Orton in the Big Show from Sunday to Monday. That was what everything you expected to well, be. They gave like forty five minutes to the main event. Yeah, which I, I turned off. I didn't even bother watching. What? Yeah. Well, I guess I'll talk about it then. Yeah, I saw it. But, yeah, you can definitely break that down to close out the segment. We still have one more match to talk about on Extreme Rules, though. Yeah, so that was uh, Braun Strowman against Bray Wyatt. No no belt on the line for this one, but this one was a, another cinematic match. This was the Wyatt Swamp fight with Bray, I guess, winning? Hard to say. He drowned Braun, it looked like. Coach. <laughs> R.I.P. cinematic matches. Yeah. You had a great run. I loved you. You were, you were different in a time when we needed different and you had you ran your course, and now we are here. Yeah, because uh, it was bad. Yeah, this this was completely all over the place. I I guess what they were trying to do was maybe I kept seeing online homages to Freddy vs. Jason, mm-hmm. and I'm blanking on that movie. If it, oh, so that's that's what I kept seeing. Okay. From uh, I know Pina Comics, I think, posted something about that. Oh. I know East Coast Avengers uh, was uh, talking about that earlier. Well, now that you mentioned it, it's still bad. Yeah, no, it's still bad, <laughs> but it was just like, okay, I guess they were trying to do something with that. Mm. And I was I was really kind of blanking on it because obviously, like Coach Touchdown, I think they have completely killed the cinematic I've match for, buried it. for a while. They mm-hmm. buried it like... I'll say Hunter the, used to do to all the other guys back in the day. The one good thing, I, for, at least for me, with this matchup that I was like, oh, shit, was maybe about halfway through, three-quarters of the way through, when Braun was walking on like the dock-looking thing or whatever, and you heard Sister Abigail, and it's like, oh, shit, are we actually going to see her? Pulls the veil back, and it was Alexa. Yeah. I was like, oh, shit, yeah. didn't see that coming. Yeah. That was like the one good thing that was like, okay, that was kind of cool. That was a clever little yeah. thing, but still. I mean, but then even for that, though, they had to show you the mixed mass mixed match yeah. challenges because yeah. if you didn't see that, yeah. you would have had no clue why she was his his image of Sister Abigail. Yeah. yeah. Like I say, there was a lot that you really had to be in tune to their story yeah. for to I just, pay off. The slam dunk story was Bray should have been like, 
I created you. I will destroy you. That should have been the slam dunk. That is the story here. Yeah. And instead it was all about coming home and, you know, the weird snake thing. And yeah. The, the minions that well, were supposed to look like Rowan in yeah. Harper. Yeah. Harper. I, that yeah. was brutal. Well, then you had the random guy who got set on fire. Out of nowhere. Yeah. Just this, this random guy who, like, you can see his face. You can make out who he is. And I'm trying to figure out who the hell this guy is. He gets set on fire. No, the thing for me that would have been a home run out of the park with this is... I kept reading about the Jason thing, and also I read a thing that was like, oh, there's an alligator feature in this, and there ended up being no goddamn alligator, which I thought would have been awesome if they could have gotten an alligator like nip at their heels or something. But I, the thing I think would have made it a home run out of the park with me is, I, like you, I can I kept reading about Jason, 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 and I'm like, all right, n- admittedly, never seen any of the, the Jason movies because I you know, can't sit through a horror movie. It scares the shit out of me. But knowing at least the premise of it, I'm like, okay, haven't seen The Fiend in a while. You know, maybe they're going to make it appear look you know, like look make it look like Bray died, quote unquote. Braun will go away in his pickup truck or whatever the hell he shows up in, and then you'll see something bubble out of the surface, and it's and it's just the you know maybe the tip of the eyes of the mask, yeah, or something like that. I'm like, you know, that'd be awesome. Like, oh hey, he's not dead. You know, like much like Jason and you know all those movies, you think he's dead, but he's not. You know that you think that you know you think he killed Bray, but he's not. Yeah, it was just it was so weird and like i say i know some people that really liked it and then said it was really telling a story yeah, to each was, their own yeah i think it was jt from the ecas that was talking about it and he was like it told a really good story and just uh about him coming back to the wyatt family and, and i was just like i don't know like it just it didn't connect with me i thought it was just so all over the place well, it, yeah it was and I, I even i think at one point i tweeted out too like i i thought i was watching the current run of x-men because I thought they were on Kuroka because I'm seeing all the clones. So yeah. if, if you understand yeah. comics, you understand yeah. the reference. But overall, though, is like, oh, this is just a bad way to end the card. Yeah. And it was bad. I don't know what they're going to do with Braun. Is he going to come back on SmackDown wearing the sheep mask again? Who knows? But overall, it started fairly good for the, the card. And then once you got into the gimmick matches, it just yeah. went completely off the tracks. Like yeah. it, was, it was just a mess. And then leading into Monday night, there was only a couple things that really jumped out. Uh-huh. Uh, one, MVP's new faction, The Hurt Business, of Lashley, yeah. Shelton Benjamin, yeah. MVP. And it's debatable who else is going to be in that. I know that there's a lot of people saying Ricochet, some saying Apollo Crews. So I know people were throwing around a new Nation of Domination. Yeah, which I, I'm actually, I'm all for this faction. Man, give it to me. And then I we had the return of Mustafa Ali, yeah. yep. who did an insane dive through the ropes and like nearly went straight through the announce table. Like It was one of the cooler spots I've seen. And then we get to the main event, which they hyped the entire night. Yeah. So, Coach, I'm going to let you take this one. I mean, just at this point in his career... Big Show is just not there to be putting on these kind of matches. Well, I mean, he's even said that he did an interview with somebody I saw. I saw a headline the other day that like he knows at this point in his career he's an attraction. Like, and if you want to tell the story and bring back the legend killer, you know, of Randy Orton, this killing side, like killer side of him, this match should have been Bing Bang Boom, yeah, punt yeah. and drought, yeah, yeah. That's it. That's you know, all it needed to be. And like I get. They're building Randy to be this legend killer again, and he's taking out Edge and Christian and Big Show. But, like, no disrespect to Big Show, but his name, at least for me, doesn't hold the same kind of gravity that, oh, shit, Randy took out Edge. Randy took out Christian. And then you go, oh, he took out Big Show? Okay. Well, Big Show 
has not been away from wrestling as long as Edge and Christian, per se. Obviously, different reasons. Right. So, for Big Show to be the next one taken out by the Legend Killer, it just didn't really have that effect because we know the Big Show comes and goes a lot. Right. I think, and that, that, that I mean, the, the novelty of Big Show leaving really doesn't hold the same clout because it's like, all right, Edge was back and you thought, Oh, you know, like Edge hit, I'm back, I'm back, I'm back. And then all of a sudden, you know, this injury obviously hampered him. But the story of Orton is the reason for the injury, you know, that's perfect. And then obviously Christian, hey, I'm, you know, I'm cleared, I'm going to come back. And then all of a sudden it was just the punt, now you're gone. Like that, that has like some weight to it. That has some like, oh, this is juice right here. But then, yeah, Big Show comes and goes all the time. Yes. Him leaving is like, all right, bye, Big Show. Like, thanks for coming out. It's like him going between being a face and a heel. Uh-huh. <laughs> Changes with the wind. The notorious. Yeah. Heel t- you can go through face his, heel turn. his lineage throughout his career of how he turns face and heel, like, at the drop of a dime. So, for him to be the main event of Raw, like, I understand they're really trying to push him. I know that he's has the Netflix show. Yep. I know he's politicking to become the new kingpin of the MCU. They already have a good kingpin. He's too yeah, old. Yeah, like, I'm sorry, I just, I'm not buying that I one. mean, 15 years ago, him bald doing it? Yeah, but, I mean, yeah, but not he, now. He's not going anywhere near Vincent D'Onofrio. But... He, it just doesn't bear the same impact that it would have, like you touched upon, years ago. Yeah. And if he had actually stayed away for a long time, and this had been the first time mm-hmm. we'd seen him in a while. Mm-hmm. And come back. Yeah, like it would have been like, oh, Big Show's back. And then all of a sudden this match with the Wharton, and then the punt, and you're like, oh, shit, Big Show was back, and now he's gone. Yeah, like I say, the impact is gone, especially when you had him teaming up with the Viking Raiders and Street Profits. Yeah, for just, whatever. he was yeah. all over the place. He was yeah. all over the place. Yeah, so this one, it, it didn't really do anything to boost the ratings. I know I haven't seen the ratings come back yet, but for WWE, they had a bad weekend. I yeah. think that's easy to say. Yeah. They had some bright moments, th- sure. but not enough to really say they won the weekend. Like I say, I think in comparison to Fight for the Fallen, uh, Great NXT. American NXT, uh, I just it's not it's t- so tough because they just op- w Raw and SmackDown operate on such tight stringent strict eyes and ears that it is so it's so easy to notice the falters yeah you know and the faults and the and the chinks in the armor versus you know everything else yeah you know like NXT has house money you know because you they're going against AEW so you're just Doing whatever. Yeah, you're just letting it go, you know? Yeah, so I think, obviously, it's, it's a different factor to, to play in. And for looking at the big shows this weekend, like I said, Slammiversary won outright. I don't think anybody can question that. Grand American Bash, even coming off you know the return show, they're setting up a lot of storylines. Yeah. So they're going to be definitely doing a lot of big things coming down so the road. So they're teasing a historic announcement from William Regal this week? Yeah, I'm curious what that's going to be. Maybe a NXT TakeOver announcement? Maybe. Um, unless they're going to say they, they have signed somebody to the the roster, but I'm mm. trying to think who's a big free agent that's, yeah, that's yeah, out there be. right now. Can't think of anything. Yeah, I, like, I, I'm completely lost. So we'll have to keep tuned for Wednesday to see what they do on NXT and definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. We gave you a lot to talk about pro wrestling, so hit us back. and I forgot one thing. The year of Omega is coming, so don't forget that. Please translate that to me because I was going <laughs> to skip that because I, I don't understand it. Like It's the year of Omega, okay? Kenny Omega is going to be the biggest star in wrestling. What what year are we? Like, Is he going back to New Japan? He's no, like, no. AEW, Ken, come on. They built him down to build him up. Come on now. 
I want to see your water glass because I think you're drinking some AEW Kool Aid there. We we will have to discuss this. The biggest star in wrestling. Oh God. Uh, if it is actually the year of Omega, according I literally googled the year of Omega. Uh, according to Google, that was 1894. So they're a few years oh. late. Well, you know what? It's coming again. Better okay. Late, better late it's than ever. Oh man. So definitely hit us up on that hashtag. Let's talk some pro wrestling. You can find us on Twitter at OD Parlay Hour. Our individual accounts are in the bio, so definitely hit us up. Let's talk a little Extreme Rules. Let's talk the year of Omega. Let's, let's talk let, it. Let's not talk Extreme Rules. Yes. Let's talk Slammiversary. Let's talk NXT. Let us talk. Use that hashtag ODPH. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Two, three, four. Hey, this is Johnny Moose from Excite Wrestling, and you're listening to the ODPH. I didn't mess it up. I thought I would. Right now, back to the guys. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and we're going to talk local minute. Johnny Moose from Excite Wrestling is teasing something on their social media. Mm-hmm. So if you are in the 607 and you want to find out what he is teasing, you make sure that you are locked in and subscribed to everything that is Excite Wrestling. If you need to find links, head on over to the ODPH directory. Go under the Friends of the ODPH link. It'll take you right to Excite Wrestling. Lock it in. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. However you need to do it. Moose is promising something big. Yeah. So, who knows? We'll all find out together later this week. He's promising an answer to if this is the year of Omega. <laughs> he might have to. I know he's a big AEW guy, so he might need to translate this to me. Somebody needs to. At OD Parlay Hour. But let's round these bases and take them home. Pad, lead us off. Yeah, first I got some happy news. Got some awesome news. Uh, for those of you who uh, might be familiar uh, with Bridger Walker, this is another ongoing story of awesomeness with this. For those of you who aren't, uh, he is a six-year-old boy in the United States who uh, recently, within I don't know when it was, last couple of weeks. A couple of weeks ago. A couple of weeks ago, uh, saved his younger sister from a dog attack by jumping in front and taking the full brunt of the attack uh, from said dog. Ended up getting uh, vicious attacks on his face and ended up needing 90 stitches yeah. uh, to repair his face. Uh, he is received, He's a big uh, Marvel Avengers fan, so his parents and, and family members have reached out had reached out to all of the Avengers actors. He's received messages from Chris Evans, Robert Downey Jr., Mark Ruffalo, uh, also Tom Holland. I know uh, Zachary Levy, uh, who plays Shazam, has uh, reached out to him and, and sent him some messages. I know uh, Anne Hathaway has also sent messages. He's got some new hardware, though. Ooh. Uh, the folks over at World Boxing Council tweeted out a photo of Bridger holding a WBC championship. Oh, that's belt. dope. <laughs> and it, uh, the caption on the photo reads, and the new WBC champion of the world, Bridger, the bravest man on earth, Walker. So he's an, now an honorary WBC champ. Kudos to that yeah. kid, man. Top shelf. That, yeah. kid, that kid's got more stones than I do because I get in the same situation. I don't know if I'd do it. I'll be honest. At that age, I don't know either. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a real top wild. shelf. Top shelf, man. Top uh-huh. shelf. Kudos to you. Yeah. Um, switching over to some baseball news uh, with the ongoing uh, se- upcoming season, I should say. Fans are wondering. Uh, I know people have been wondering. Are you, they going to bump in some noise here? It's going to be a little empty because I know Yankees games, at least the exhibition ones, they haven't, and it's loud when you hear the ball pop. Uh, no, they're, but it seems like they will be pumping in some sound, and uh, they will be putting out an update to the MLB app and on their website uh, where it will let fans remotely send cheers and jeers into empty stadiums. Hmm. Yeah, so I guess the way this works is you hop on the, uh, the website 
or the MLB app if you have that. Uh, you pick a game, and then there will be a way for you to you, you pick a team. So if you're Yankee, watching Yankees, uh, let's just say Yankees-Phillies, you can pick a team. And then if somebody does really well, you can send a cheer or an applause, or, and that will affect the way they, they pump in uh, some of the artificial noise. Or if you're watching the Houston Astros games, you know how that's going to go. Yeah. Uh, as the one account I follow on Twitter said, uh, shaming the Astros is back on, ladies and gentlemen. You know, anything you can let the Astros know they screwed up, I'm all mm-hmm. for. So make it happen. Yeah, so that'll be interesting. I've got the MLB app on my phone, so I'm, I'm really – because they haven't put it out yet uh, for these exhibition games. So come Thursday, I can't wait to see how this works. I'll, I'll definitely give it a try. Yeah, you're going to definitely – maybe I'll have to do some live tweeting about that. Yeah. Or something. We'll do something for that. Yeah. Coach? I've been hyping it, and I will continue to hype it. So if you're playing the coach drinking game, it is Premier Lacrosse League Talk Time. They kick off this Saturday uh, their inaugural game in their uh, championship pool series that they'll be doing. So that not like, you know, um, uh, the other leagues where they're kind of just playing a typical regular season. They are doing it more Olympic style, uh, if you will. Um, they actually... I didn't realize this, the extent that they went for their medical. They uh, had tests, they had players test before they got to Utah for quarantine. They had players test again once they arrived in Utah. They are following, uh, they actually went out and got third party medical professionals to be handling this. So they're actually been consulting with the CDC uh, and other uh, medical advisories. Um, The infectious control disease uh, is also involved. So they are running protocols based on even if you have uh, uh, – so if you have a positive test, you're not able to join your team uh, for 10 weeks until or for 10 days until after quarantine. Uh, If you had an inconclusive test, you cannot arrive in Utah until after one positive test – 24 hours after the test results so pretty pretty stingent you know things especially when you talk about the you know not the volume of players you know so Mm -hmm. um they only had two tests come back positive out of the initial test two inconclusive so some of the teams you know had been affected um by these results um do want to give a shout out to uh jules hedenberg who is one of the uh, arguably one of the best players on lacrosse right now unfortunately unable and uh, a pretty big um, spokesperson for the Black Lives Matter movement for lacrosse, at least, um, being, um, you know, uh, growing up that uh, during that time, you know, during this time, uh, he actually uh, had COVID in June, uh, went and got tested for the uh, PLL uh, quarantine. Uh, turns out, due to COVID, he actually um, has now developed a, um, a heart. Uh, problem where uh, oh. high interval training oh, uh, can potentially lead to cardiac arrest. Oh. So oh, he, awful, yeah, so he is unfortunately unable to play right now uh, due to you know the COVID still trying to run run its course through his system. So hopefully you know best of the uh, you know wishes to him and his family. Hopefully you know during this time he can you know get healthy and hopefully see him next season because he was a big player on the Redwoods team. But you know the season is here. Players are healthy. They're, they're definitely – the first game will be on NBC at 4 o'clock. Again, you know, lacrosse on national TV, I never would have thought that in my entire life I'd be seeing that. So uh, it's a great time right now for sports. Obviously, basketball's coming back, baseball. Yeah. So, you know, if you got nothing to do on Saturday at 4 o'clock, it's there for you. And definitely hit up at Coach Duffy Eleven if you're watching. Yeah, if you're game. watching it, I'll be. I'll definitely. I mean, I'm a Redwoods fan, so I'll be watching it. I hate those goddamn Whip Snakes. Uh, <laughs> last year's championship game went to overtime with the Whip with the Whip Snakes winning. Um, so I'll be. I'll be watching that. My I will be forcing my kids to watch it. So we will. If you need to live tweet me, I will be there. 
Yeah, so definitely hit him up and uh, let's talk some lacrosse. Sure, it's there. It's time. It's here. It's it's arrived, everybody. It's time. <laughs> yeah, right. Tr- get careful with that. I was gonna say, yeah, I don't want to get trademarked by Bruce Buffer, <laughs> but that's a great segue to the UFC. Yes, oh, well oh. done. So that being said, we had our third of four fights at Fight Island, and the what a night of fights it was! Yeah. Oh my God, yeah. Woo. This past uh, Saturday, July 18th, uh, it was such a rocking card. It was actually crashing ESPN+. Plus. I was yeah. on Twitter. and yeah. You're, not, you're not the only one. Yeah. So I, I am just saying for future note, like ESPN, if anybody can hear us and you have anything to do with the streaming service, we need to make sure this is fixed for the UFC fights because when it's a big fight and people are watching – we're having issues. Well, we had the same issue. In my with, opinion, we had the same issue with the Conor McGregor fight. Yeah, exactly. So, well, and this was a no, no disrespect to any of the fighters on the card. In terms of like fan anticipation, this was not exactly as anticipated as Conor McGregor. I, what I will say about the UFC during this time, and I mean, as somebody who you know during the Chuck Liddell Tito days was definitely like a you know hardcore into it, and then once they kind of faded, you know, kind of my my fandom kind of faded a little bit too. But during this time, you know, right now with everything going on. At first, the UFC initially I couldn't watch without fans, mm-hmm. but now that they've gone to smaller venues and you know uh, and 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 everything without without anything on, the UFC has been must watch no mm-hmm. matter what the fight is. I've been I mean, you could put in two pl- uh, fledgling you know guys who are like you know seven and nine, and with no knockouts, I would watch them go three rounds. They've been putting on so many good cards, and I don't know if it's they've had to really condense cards down and, and get the best of the best, so to speak. Right. But ever since they went to the Apex in Vegas, mm-hmm. they have been on this like amazing streak where they've gone from there to Fight Island. And, and fights and, have been great. And the fights have been amazing. Yeah. And this fight card was no different. Uh, we won't get into everyone that was on there. I think the two main events I definitely I, want to talk a little bit about. I will real quick. I There was three fights on this card that, I mean, obviously, you know, wife and kids at home trying to watch the fights. You know, the bathroom pulled me away. Potty breaks pulled me away. Maybe going to get a drink or something pulled me away. I came back to three different fights over. And, I mean, I went in, like, the first round thinking, oh, nah, I won't miss much. Mm-hmm. Nope, they were done. Yeah, yeah, they were absolutely done quick. There was oh, a lot, yeah. there was a lot of work going on, and and the only thing really from the prelims that I think we just definitely have to mention was a matrix like duck. Holy cow! From one of the kicks, I want to think it was the Fizev yeah, fight. I believe so. Yeah, that one ridiculous. You can find it, and that's not the first time he's done that. No, the, the ESPN no. isn't covering all these extra fights he's been doing this matrix like duck on. It's absolutely crazy. But let's get into the co-main event first. Mm-hmm. Give some thoughts on that. So, Pad, you got us on that? Yeah, so that was a middleweight matchup where Jack Hermanson defeated Kelvin Gastelum in the first round with a uh, heel hook submission. Yeah, this fight, Coach, you got some thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it, they came out, you know, uh, swinging, and all of a sudden, you know, it got to the ground. Yeah. And uh, – the fight, the one guy, please tried to get his leg out. You yeah, know, Calvin as it got to the, yeah, Calvin yeah. tried to get his leg out, but he turned the wrong way and he turned into him. Yeah, and I mean, he the 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 hook that he had to grab his heel and then pull him uh-huh. was like uh, you know almost like when you watch an octopus or a snake, you know, coil something up to bring it in to eat because he just he ha, he grabbed right on that and just. Yeah. Torque. Yeah, no, I was watching with my uh, girlfriend and then my brother-in-law and my sister at, at their place. And, you know, my brother-in-law and I, when the when the submission happened, we're like, oh, and my sister just goes, wait, that's it? 
And we're like, yep, it's over. Yeah. Gastelum got caught in it. He was he was looking pretty good in that fight until then, but once Hermanson got him to the ground and locked that leg in, mm-hmm. he did not let go. And it's a huge win for him. I know Calvin took it pretty serious. Uh, yeah. You know, he was very embarrassed by the performance. But it's one of those things in the MMA world. Uh, if you get caught and you make one minor mistake. Freak accidents like that happen. You get caught yeah, with it. I mean, that's what the same thing that happened to Brock Lesnar versus Frank Muir. I mean, you cannot turn your back to your opponent when your leg is right next, you know, in between their hip and your arm. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't do that. So it is now the third loss in a row for Kelvin Gastelum. I don't think he has anything to worry about no. getting cut, though. Yeah, that, get a little nervous, but no worries. Because if you look at who he's lost to, Pad. Uh, in, in order, it is Israel Adesanya, Darren Tell, and then Jack Hermanson. So Adesanya, your current middleweight champion. Mm-hmm. Darren Till, uh, your potential number one contender, but we'll get into that. Mm-hmm. And Hermanson, I mean, who's a top-ranked opponent, too. It's... It's not really going to hold him back. I think if he does lose another one, then maybe you might yeah, be question about that. But, maybe. but I don't. I don't think he has anything to worry about getting cut. I think obviously in those fights, the Adesanya one, you can argue was a fight of the year candidate. So I'm not questioning that one too much. Hermanson can only go up the card on after this performance. Gaslam, uh, boy, I don't know who's next. I really don't. So we'll have to kind of wait and see about that. And then we get to the main event. Devison Figueredo uh-huh. versus Joseph Benavitas uh-huh. for the vacant flyweight title. They originally fought earlier in the year, but yep. Figueredo did not make weight. Yep. So got to drop that weight. Yeah. So this time, though, he did. And, Pad, you got the results? Yeah. Uh, Figueredo defeated Joseph Benavitas in the first round with a rear naked choke submission. Coach, your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, the first fight obviously ended with, uh, you know, had that. Uh, unfortunate headbutt, you know, yep. um, that cut, cut, you know, it was a back cut over the eye uh, that wasn't caught. So you go into this and you think, oh, that was that match was fair, you know, was fairly even up until that headbutt. Uh, this was just pure domination. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, this was from this was just yeah. surgical. Yeah, there was a lot of bad blood between Benavides and Figueredo going into this. Benavides was vowing the win, and if you know anything about his career, though. He has arguably been the number two flyweight in the world behind Demetrius Johnson for, it feels like, forever. Uh right? And Benavitez has never gotten the belt. And it goes to show how good Demetrius Johnson is, in my opinion. Right. Uh It's nothing away from Benavitez because he has literally beaten a who's who of flyweights. I'll say uh, currently in 35 professional matches, he is 28-7. and Uh, obviously has two losses to Figueredo, and then before that he lost to the likes of Sergio Pettis, mm-hmm. Demetrius Johnson twice, and then Dominic Cruz twice. Yeah, so when you lose to that kind yeah, of pedigree. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a some tough losses. You yeah. Know what I mean? So, I mean, I, you can't really look at his career and say anything real bad about it. I know yeah. Twitter got real ugly with some of the comments after this fight. Well, when Benavides. you talk so, shit and get hit. Well, <laughs> I mean, it was one of those situations where it's just like he couldn't win the big one again. And you have to give credit to Figueredo because mm-hmm. he landed that overhand right yeah. early in that fight. And I thought he knocked him out cold. I think he was out. He might have been. I think he was out just for whatever reason that was early that was early in the first right yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. oh yeah he was out he was out i for yeah. sure I, yeah. I forget who but one of the announcers said that he was out yeah i and he looked out and then the fact that figueredo got him in the rear naked choke and benavitez defended mm-hmm. four times yeah before ultimately 
getting knocked down again, and yeah. then Figueredo just finished him off from well, there. Figueredo, the first couple times he tried the, the rear naked choke, didn't have it in all the way. Like, I know I was watching, and my brother-in-law thought he had it. I'm like, no, it's on the chin. It's not underneath yet. Yeah, once yeah, because to make that move work, you have to lock it underneath, and he, right. he, he didn't. But that goes to show the experience of Benavitas. so you can't really fault him on that. He gave all he had, but at this stage. I mean, to bounce back from that, you know, punch, that's. Toughness, yeah. you know. What I mean, uh-huh. you don't get, you don't line up in that in the octagon against that, you know, that list of people that he lost to, and yeah. not be tough as nails. You know, yeah. I mean, like I say, a long-standing contender, arguably the number two guy for forever, like a decade. Yeah, I would say behind Demetrius Johnson. So, yeah. what's next for him for Benavitez? I don't know, to be honest with you. I think I don't see him getting another title shot not anytime a, not, soon. No, I mean, at his no. age, he's no. he's approaching forty. I know he's. I, I want to say he's thirty-seven. Looking it up. Yeah, uh, I, thirty-five. I, okay, he's that's tough. He's obviously gone through some battles. I don't know if the UFC he can make a run there. I think if he went to like Bellator, maybe. Yeah. I, but I, but I don't want to see him leave the UFC. Like that's the problem. For Vigoredo, though, he called out a certain somebody, uh-huh. and I would love. Love, love to see this match. So I'm putting the karma out there. He called out Demetrius Johnson. Please. Oh. That, that, DJ's got to come home. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. DJ needs to come back to the flyweight it's division. It's time. It's time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he needs to – it needs to happen. I know he's he's killing it over in one championship. Yeah. And I will say that was arguably the dumbest move that Dana White I think has done with the most lopsided trade in sports history. I understand why he did it. I just don't agree with it. And It's more lopsided than when the Boston Celtics traded Paul Pierce to the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, it's it was a bad deal. If they can somehow get DJ to come back and fight Figueredo one night, I'd be marking out like a madman for it. Even work out a deal with one championship to like, hey, can we borrow him for a night? Like, yeah, name like, your terms. I, I think they, I think that could happen. Like that's the thing about it. I think they could definitely do that. Because obviously, if they did a trade before, they've got a working relationship. Yeah, because I don't know who else you'd have Figueredo fight. I know Henry Cejudo was throwing his name out there. I'm not paying any attention to it. I don't care. Cejudo has called out everybody from AEW to the UFC, depending on what your weight class is. I'm sorry. You said you retired, and now you're trolling. I don't care. You, you, good luck with your future endeavors. I'm sorry. I'm just. I'm not motivated to hear it. So whatever Figueredo does next, though, he's now arguably the scariest man in that division. They're going to have to start getting some bodies in front of him. I don't know who's next. I know, Pad, you're looking at the rankings right now. Yeah. So uh, they haven't even updated the the rankings for that division yet because they don't have a champion listed uh figueredo is listed number one benavidez is listed number two you've got brandon moreno listed number three alexandra alexander pantoja is ranked number four uh five is alex perez uh you've got juicier formiga listed at number six askar askarov is number seven kai cara france is listed at number eight uh that one five times fast no thank you uh rogerio Bontorin is number nine, and then rounding out the top ten, you've got Matt Schnell. Exactly. I've never heard of any of them. Yeah, that's that's who? Uh-huh. Well, that goes to show just the UFC has not done enough to promote that division. And that's and that's a sad thing, too, because... That division bangs. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. I think the problem is, though, is that, like... You know the same thing with WWE. It's not the it's not the sexy thing. You yeah. know, yeah. it's not these. Yeah. 
you know, big stature, brolic guys. You know, it's the little, you know, five foot five, you know, 130 pounds. Arguably, are they a jockey? Are they not? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that, yeah. And yeah. that's not, you know, that doesn't put butts in the seats. Yeah, that's the problem. And then they don't do knockouts, too. So, But no. they hit. They hit. They hit hard. Yeah. Well, let's say, yeah. anybody watch Figueredo fight? Yeah. Enough Ouch. said. So... Dana's got a little question on what he wants to do next with him. Uh, like I said, for me, go get DJ back and make Please. that happen. Because that, that would be a big money fight. Mm-hmm. It absolutely would. But they have another fight card coming up this weekend that's oh going to take God. the attention. I don't know if Dana White's going to be there because I believe it's his birthday, so we'll say happy birthday to him. This card is stacked. <laughs> yeah. Give a shit. You work on your birthday. You got a fight card. You planned it on your birthday. You go work. But this fight card is stacked, stacked though, to say. Weak. Well, I, it, it's I think, got arguably like four main events. It arguably does, so we'll yeah, break right. them, we'll break them down, and then I don't know if this is the last one for a while. I believe they're coming back to the states to fight the Apex. It's right, the last after. one. It's the last one on a fight fight island. The next one is a fight night with uh, that is on August first. So okay. no, 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 no time off. No, they'll but they'll definitely be going back to Fight Island because I believe that they have already said when Habib wants to fight, and obviously he just lost his father to COVID, and we send our condolences out to him. Whenever he wants to come back, Dana said he's not stripping him of the belt. The fight will happen at Fight Island with him and Justin Gaethje. There is no timetable for that now. Uh-huh. The other fight that was getting rumored to be announced for Fight Island was Israel Asanya and Paulo Costa, which, Coach, we were talking about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> literally, you know, you uh, who tagged us in what? Was I it, it was you? Me. Yeah, it was you yeah. tag us in the yeah. fact, you know, the, that the some uh, LaCosta tweeted, you know, that the fight's happening, and Dana White shot that shit down like it was like, World War Two, and it was a plane flying in no fly zone, man. Yeah. No way. Yeah. So, not to say that fight won't happen, but as of right now, that no, that is not official. Right. So, yeah. I, I mean, at first when I was like, no, it's not happening. I don't think I was making it clear. Like, no, it's not happening right now. This the the contracts aren't signed. It could, but no. Yeah. yeah. So it could, but no. Because that fight, whenever that does happen. That will be over at Fight Island, too. So they, yeah. they've already said that those are going to be two main events that are going to be held there. We don't have a timetable, which I'm nope. going to say September, because August, last I heard, is still going to be Stipe Miocic versus Daniel Cormier 3. That's at the Apex. Saying, yeah, well, they were running so promos. Look, looking at the next right. couple of events, you've got the uh, you've got a the next fight night is at the UFC is uh, on August first at the UFC at the Apex. Then you've got another one also at the. I think everything is at the Apex through. Give me a couple clicks here. Looking on Wikipedia, uh, the next event on Wikipedia that they have listed venue and city to be determined is a fight night uh, in early September. Okay. Which I, I think makes sense because I think they were depending on who they were going to get for international travel or not. So, right. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, they have one or two spots they're going to be fighting in, but they're going to go out from Fight Island with a bang. Good Lord. This card is Literally. pretty well stacked. So, uh-huh. Pat, why don't you run down the big matches and let's talk about them. Yeah, so a couple of big matches. Uh, you've got a matchup in the women's strawweight division between Carla Esparza and Mar- Marina Rodriguez. This one should be a fun one. Straw weight. I like Carla a lot in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, not down Rodriguez, though, pulling off the win. But I think this one's going to be a decision, and I think it's going to go as far as his way. I'm thinking the exact same thing. I agree. Right on. So going to the next one, Pat. You've got a heavyweight matchup between Fabricio Verdum and Alexander Gustafson. Now we have to know, Gustafson is stepping up to heavyweight. Uh-huh. He has left the light heavyweight division. And this is after his retirement. He's now back. Yeah, I thought, like, I when I heard... I. When I heard that name, I was like, wait a second. Yeah. Okay. So, that being said, he has a very tough task against Fariso Verdum. Yeah. Yeah, that is a tough 
first heavyweight fight. So, Pat, who you got? Uh, it, well, it's interesting. Both fighters on two fight losing streaks. So someone's gonna someone's gonna break that losing streak. Uh, I think it's gonna be Verdum. No disrespect against Gustafson, but he is, after all, if I scroll up a little bit here on his Wikipedia page, he is thirty three years old. He's got a lot of fights behind him. I think it's gonna and plus a lot of times fighters first fight in a new division. It's kind of not the greatest, right? I think it's gonna end up being Verdum. Coach, yeah, Gustafson looks so bad his last two fights. Uh, especially the last one, that uh, it's tough to go against Verdum here. I'll say, yeah, I should know uh, his last two fights. Uh, Anthony Smith, who submitted him in the fourth round, and then John Jones, who knocked him out. For Gustafson, this is going to be a, a really important fight for a lot of different reasons. One, obviously getting back to the light heavyweight title, that's in the rearview mirror. I don't see him getting back there anytime soon. For heavyweight, he's going up against a well-known fighter in that weight class, a guy that on paper looks very much bigger than he does. Uh-huh. Even if Gustafson doesn't have to cut weight, I haven't seen any pictures lately. It's not to say that he hasn't been working out, uh-huh. but I think there's going to be a massive weight difference that I think might be too much for Gustafson to overcome. Well, that's the other thing, too, is, again, we've talked about it. It's just it's difficult to fight. I mean, when you're used to fighting at 205 and fighting at a, at a lighter weight, you uh-huh. know, now an extra... 10 to 15 pounds you might be walking around in that but you're not training the same way that you would be when you're cutting you know no so i think this one is going to go for doom's way um i would like to see kind of what kind of fire gustison has though yeah because anytime you say you're retiring and then you go up a weight class or down a weight class if you've already said you retired it's already like you mentally checked out Uh so let's see what gustison we get yep Next up. This one for the old school fans, because Lord knows there are no title implications in this fight. It's a light heavyweight matchup between Shogun and Little Nog. Oh, my God. <laughs> Mauricio, Mauricio Ruhua taking on Anthony Noguera. What, what year are we in? Uh, that's a good question, because as we sit here recording, uh, Shogun is currently 38 years old, and Little Nog is 44. This is, a, like I said, there is no title implications in this matchup. Uh, this is just for the old school fans. When did they fight before? Like I know, I, I will believe, look it up. I believe it was in Pride, so it's been quite a while. Uh, this one eh, it hasn't been that long. Uh, looks like Shogun's last fight was a split split decision draw to Paul Craig at a UFC Fight Night back in November. Oh no, no, no! I mean when they fought each other. Oh, when they fought each other. Yeah, they oh, fought each other before. So, like I said, this has been many, many years ago. No. Shogun has been more active than... Uh, yeah, you're right. Pride, uh, June 26th of 2005, where uh, it looks like Shogun got the, the unanimous decision. So that being said, Nog is 44, I believe Oh, said. my God. Yep, little Nog is 44 years old. Um, Like I say, if this was in a time machine and we went back to 2005... Just turned 44. His birthday was back in June. Like, I'd have a little more excitement about this. This is, like I said, this is for old school fans. I, I am an old school fan, so I, I'm just saying, why? This and, is, I'm just going to say this. If I've always wanted to see a double knockout in the UFC. This might be my chance. The only thing you're guaranteed of this is these two guys will throw hands. Dude, that <laughs> yeah, is, I mean, 44 fighting. That's uh-huh. so old. Yeah. What's the oldest? I mean, Silva was what, 40? Or was he 38 still? No, Silva's on the other side of 40 now. Right, his last fight. Was he just turning? I think he just turned 40. I want to say the the oldest fighter was... Looks like it was Randy. 
Randy, Randy Couture, Couture, 45 in four months. Yeah, but he Couture, was something else, but, though. Yeah, I like mean, I said, but not everybody's Randy. Because right. I want to say, who is the, there was a guy, oh, God, I'm blanking on him, too. Uh, the janitor was his nickname. Was that and he, he fought John Jones. And he was like, at that point, he was like 40. He was in his early But this 40s. is like John when he was stir- first. Yeah. Yeah, so that was, I mean, that was a different UFC, too. I it, mean, it's, it's a different UFC, and like I, I But say, 44 fighting now? Yeah, especially Little Nog has has had some battles throughout the years. Like, I mean, his he's a legendary career. This one, though, I, I'm going to give it to Shogun. This will be fun for old school fans like Pad was saying. But Yeah, yeah it's this, like when uh, Clay Guida fights, you yeah. know, and everybody's like, oh, hey, you know, like it's, yeah, it's a little throwback to that era. I still will never figure out how him and Diego Sanchez never had a rematch. I will drop the ball. I will. The, the time for that just was there, and they just never went on it. Yeah. But this one, uh, Shogun. I'm a double knockout. This like, I've always wanted to see a double knockout in per, like in live on UFC. I think this is my best chance. Whoever's hip survives. <laughs> also true. This could be like I say. Both fighters have got a lot of tread on the tires. So. <laughs> Whoever makes it up the stairs, that's who. That's who wins. And I like Shogun in that. Yeah. I'll take him. I'll take yeah. him for the double. I'll take him for the parlay on that one. Yeah. Now the main event if for in the middleweight division. You've got Robert Whitaker taking on Darren Till. So Whitaker is coming back after some time off. Um, uh, I was believe he was uh, dealing some family uh, matters. I believe. I, yep. Um, the reason being uh, escapes me, but I know it was, it was a very personal one. And I and so that being said, he's been gone for a little bit. Darren Till has been the next big uh, European fighter that the UFC has really been trying to push. Mm-hmm. Um, this one. I always go against Robert Whitaker, not because I I dislike him, because I actually do like him as a fighter. He's very sound. He's very technical. There's yeah. nothing real flashy about him. Yeah. So that being said, I am taking Whitaker in this one. Okay. Because for Darren Till, he's he's one punch away from getting a KO, but I have never seen a groundwork from him. I've never seen a submission from him. Funny you I, say I, that. He has two submission wins. Then I'm blanking on when those happen because I I have not personally seen them. So that could be. Is it early in his career? Uh, they weren't on television. Uh, okay, then at least that we know of. Uh, one was against a gentleman by the name of Sergio Matias uh, for Esparza Fighting Championship. That was back in November of 2014. And then another one was against Cristiano Mar Marquezzati, uh if for Kirby Tabanos AMG Fight Champion. That was in November of 2013. So, like I say, that being said, I, I gotta go with Wicker. Like I said, I know he's had some time off. I know he had some injuries too. And like I said, I, I want to say if, if last I, fight was in October of last year, where he got knocked out by uh, Stylebender. Yeah. So, like I said, that being said, I know he was coming off some. I, I want to say there was some family, like he had a family matter. He had to go attend to, mm-hmm. and there was an injury. Like I, it's escaping me why as we're recording, but I'm not gonna go research here for this. So that being said, like I said, Whitaker's my pick. Pat, who you got? Uh, I'm going to go with Whitaker, too. Just you look at the record. He's got uh, 20 wins, 5 losses. Uh, like I said, lost his last fight to Adesanya. But before that, hadn't lost a fight since February of 2014 when he lost to Steven Thompson. Uh, had a string of wins against the likes of Yoel Romero. He beat twice. Uh, beat Jacare Souza, Derek Brunson, Uriah Hall. Brad Tavares, you know, just a who's who in those divisions. 
And then you go on the flip side and, and you look at Darren Till. Uh, won his last fight against Kelvin Gastelum back in November of last year. Lost two fights in a row. One to Jorge Masvidal, another one to Tyron Woodley. But then he, beat, but then he beat the likes of uh, Stephen Thompson and Donald Cerrone. Yeah, he knocked out Cerrone. So he, he knocked out Cerrone in the first round. Yeah, you know, so somebody hard, else did that too. Yeah, yeah. hard to say, but <clears throat> gut decision. I'm going to go with uh, Whitaker. Yeah, I mean, Mazdival and, uh, you know, loss to Woodley, those, you know, those are two tough guys. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. if you lose to them, I, you, you can accept that, you know. I mean, arguably yeah. two of the best fighters in the division. Um, but, you know, not, not really any names of a win, you know. I mean, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Whitaker too. Yeah, like I said, Whitaker, I think, is very sound. And like I say, he's coming off the injuries. And then, like I said, the family issue, you got to go handle it. And it was a very serious one. Like, I, I'm just I'm blanking on a reason why. There's no disrespect to it. I just, I'm seriously blanking on why. But the fact is, if he's back mentally and physically 100%, he's a very scary fighter at that middleweight division. So, and I, like I said, Darren Till is, to me, just a one one shot artist here. Like, I don't think he has all five skills that he needs for mixed martial arts. And. I will, he proves me wrong, he proves me wrong, but I know he likes to stand there and throw hands, and Whitaker is not exactly the guy to do it because he'll take you down and submit you. So should be a fun fight this yeah. Saturday night, ESPN+. Plus. ESPN, definitely check your local listings wherever you watch UFC action and say goodbye to Fight Island for a little bit because mm-hmm. they're going to go out with a definite bang. So that being said, the music you heard on this episode of the ODPH podcast is out of Fair City Fire. They're friends from Austin, Texas. Brian Wolf is putting out more and more music every Friday on his Instagram page. So if you want to find out more about Fair City Fire, shout out the Robot, Second Suitor, Yard Party, Floodlands, and all the great music you hear on the ODPH. Well, stop on over to OchoDuroParleyHour.com and check out the music section. You can find out all about all those great bands. And also, while you're there, swing on over to the ODPH directory where we have links for friends of the show, such as Excite Wrestling and whatever Johnny Moose's big announcement is going to be this week. Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming, still doing Final Fantasy VII pad? Oh, boy. And has he uh, earned your respect for the apology yet for Ratchet and Clank? I'm sorry, did you say something? Wow. Just got very, very cold in this room. And you can also find links to all the great podcasting groups that we are in. So shout out to Pod Nation, shout out to Legion Independent Podcast, shout out to Alternate Reality Radio, shout out to Hashtag 607 Podcast, and shout out to the Apodalypse community where we're doing the pod raids today. And it's Cross Atlantic Gaming that is there. So definitely check out the pod groups on Podchaser that we are in. You can find all those links on there. And you can also find out organizational links supporting Black Lives Matter, voter registration, and I actually have a new link up for something in the 607 the luma festival is doing a gofundme to raise funds to run again next year obviously with COVID happening they were not running this year they have a gofundme to try building up funds to go in 2021 if you haven't seen it uh, definitely check out their social media it's an amazing arts lights festival so i have the link up there for the gofundme so if you want to feel like supporting that or great organization go right ahead and do that support local absolutely support local whenever wherever you are and you can also check out Parlay Points, the complimentary blog section to the ODPH. All of that plus links to our Twitch channel, which we are going to be doing some live streaming for San Diego Comic-Con this week. So hashtag 607podcast will be taking care of that. You can definitely head on over, check it out. Rich and I will be doing that from 3 Fat Nerds Podcast. So twitch.tv slash 607podcast. Where else do you find out about everything that is the ODPH other than ochoduroparleyhour.com? That's all I got for this week. So for your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy. Good night, and go watch lacrosse. For the one only Padawan J. Go Yankees. 
I'm your host, Ken M. Shout out to Rich Ron and hashtag Big Natty Cool Diesel. We're going to be doing some Twitch action this week. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time.